You understand the meaning of the word foreboding? As in badness is happening right now. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Waffle Press Retrospective. Failed Blockbusters, Season 2. We're finally here. Not at the end. Not not even close. N- no, no, a little close. A little close. Closer than we were, but still not very close. All things And that's considered. okay, because today we're here to talk about Miami Vice. Here's something. Uh, we were talking for so much that it is now afternoon on my end. <laughs> okay, it is, it is not afternoon yet it's on my end. It's still technically morning where you are, but I managed to get to the afternoon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but, so you guys check out the, the Patreon for that little two-hour discussion. About beforehand. just fucking random shit. <laughs> oh my, it's, that was actually kind of a lot. I didn't realize that, yeah. We did, yeah, we did a lot, um, but... I, I think I did, you know what, I did what I intended to do, which was I derailed the conversation by bringing up VTubers, but then I didn't do it on the episode, so I kind of saved this episode. Yeah, oh, that's my co-host, Macaringo. Oh, yes, that's, I'm the one who's trying to derail things, that's yes, my thing. Yes, but, but, you're not going to do that today, because this no, is a I very not. special episode. Yes. We're talking about the greatest film ever made today. I'm talking about a guy no one's on the internet's talked about. No. You hear that, uh, Abby? Yeah. Well, I didn't. Abby's got a big beef with uh, Barry Shabaka Henley. <laughs> what? Why? I don't, know. I don't know. I was just. <laughs> I was trying to make a joke. I don't know. No. She's not. Abby's not listening. Now, Abby, listen. Listen to the podcast. I don't think Abby has listened to an episode of this podcast. Never doubt her. She's very supportive in my terrible takes online, but I don't. I think she knows enough that like unfiltered me. This was too much. <laughs> and you, who likes no. everything. <laughs> I well, I didn't like Monkey Bone. Yeah, but who does? <laughs> Apparently, a lot of people. That the day we're recording is when I uploaded the Monkey Bone episode. Oh, are people publicly. like are are they rioting already? No, no. People were just like, "Oh, I love this movie." And I'm like, "Oh no." <laughs> Sorry. It must have hit people at that right time, man. Yeah. Which I'm sorry for whatever fetishes that developed. No. <laughs> like, but, like. Um, but speaking of hitting people at the right time, is Miami Vice one of the movies that hit people at the exact wrong time? Probably, yeah. Because this is, it's a failed blockbuster. It bombed commercially. It didn't outright bomb critically but i remember people didn't like this for a while well, people were like what like that was yeah. more of the response because yeah. it's like okay some some back you all know what the fuck miami vice is about it's about croc and tubs being the coolest fucking cops on the planet they go undercover to take down drug kingpins and shit and everyone's hot and sexy it's and the coolest cool fucking and show on the fucking planet you it's fucking the, losers. the first couple seasons of miami vice are legit bangers the pilot is one of the greatest television pilots in the history of the medium yeah like it's a legendary show for good reason michael mann liked it so much when he was starting to produce it that when he read the pilot script he was like i want i want to make this into a movie and it was just the wheels had already started turning you know there was Mm. no stop in the machine the series was a go so he was like all right i'll just control it as much as humanly possible then i'll just make la takedown instead oh (laughs) that's the fucking one where even i am like I can't get anything out of this. Yeah, what the fuck? That is such a strange beast, but that's and, a whole Because he's like discussion. a good like, television director. Like, have you seen Jericho yeah. Mile? Yeah, he's good. I don't it's know what the great. fuck. What the I don't fuck know. was that? 
Um, for those that don't know, L.A. Takedown is the original version of Heat. Michael Mann was able to keep the rights to that series that failed to take off. Um, that became a television movie, which is genuinely awful. And Heat is one of the greatest movies ever made. On the day of recording, Heat 2 just came out as a book. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, that's I'm, I'm picking it up later. Yeah. I got to go buy a copy to give to my father on his birthday in December. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm, I'm giving it to myself because I am, in many ways, a dad. Mm-hmm. Except for all the literal ways, I guess. <laughs> Thankfully. Um, so, yeah, th- this is this is kind of a, a big movie for film Twitter, obviously. I know the memes have, have taken off to the point of just, like, you know, it, it's overwhelming at you times. Know, I've kind of missed a lot of the memes around it. All I really get is, like, every few weeks people are like, fucking Miami Vice rules. Like, <laughs> that's all I really get. Oh, I get the Michael Mann facts. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, but that guy's... Whatever that guy's smoking. Yeah, uh, shout that. out to Michael Mann facts, the uh, mutual on Twitter. All right, right on. Uh, he just hit up the Criterion closet. <laughs> they let him go to that. They let them and he like... had a Michael Mann facts tote bag. Wow. <laughs> it was incredible. I mean, uh, hey. Yeah. You can so, that shit. Into get... If you can get into the... If you can get use that to get into the Criterion closet, that is kind of incredible. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to use right. this podcast again in the Criterion Closet. Yeah, they will not let us in. No, we no, will be the first. No. We will be the first people where, like, they have our pictures up in front of it and it's like, do not let these two enter. <laughs> no, no, I want to bump into Claire Denise. I don't know if you want to do that. <laughs> no, maybe, maybe I don't. Maybe she'll insult me. Claire Denise looks like she could just destroy you with, like, a very accurate criticism. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, uh, I don't think there's Miami. a single person on this that we've ever discussed on the podcast that I would ever like to meet in actual life. You wouldn't like to meet Steven Spielberg? I don't know if I would. Really? I feel like me shambling out of a crowd being like, Spielberg! <laughs> like, I don't know if I, that would be something I'd want. No, no, no. Okay, in, in a perfect scenario where they're like, you know, you guys are like... In a perfect scenario somewhere. where I finally have figured out what to do with my hair on a hot day and I, I I am not dressed like a child and I I look like I know what I'm doing <laughs> and I don't immediately start just vomiting up stupid facts then something that has never happened any day I've been alive on this earth then maybe yeah okay I want to okay. meet Spielberg I think I told you this I I met Gilbert Gottfried rest in yes. peace to a legend yes he uh, did yeah. I met Gilbert Gottfried, and I got my picture taken with him, and it is, like, the least flattering photo of me ever taken. Aww. And it's like, I swear, it looks like I'm Gilbert's less attractive friend. <laughs> like, it's just awful. I can't show anyone, so. Aww. But, hey, you know. Well, my, you know. My forehead is too fucking big is the problem. Well, what's the problem with Miami Vice? Why wasn't it a hit when it first came out? Um... Probably because it doesn't look like the show at all. <laughs> that too. I, I'm sure that was a big part of it. Um, also, uh, I, I, I think I told the story about seeing Public Enemies in theaters and not really enjoying it. Hey, if you go to the Miami Vice, uh, if you go to Miami Vice on Wikipedia and scroll down 
to the segment that is like, oh, here's all the Miami Vice-related articles. It is the color of the trans pride flag. Oh, yay. Which I guess are the Miami Vice colors now that I think about it. Hell yeah. (laughs) All right. Um, Anyway, I I remember seeing Public Enemies in theaters and not enjoying it and really kind of reacting negatively to the look of that movie. But then when I watched it at home, I'm like, this is a beautiful looking movie. And I wonder if there's something about seeing this sort of digital photography in a theater that just doesn't really work. You know, for my last birthday, I went to the New Beverly to watch Collateral. I might have brought it up on the podcast before, mm. but they only show stuff in 35mm there because it's a Tarantino theater. And, yeah. like, that's that's not a bad thing. I like that about them. That's why I go there, too. Mm-hmm. But watching Collateral on, on film is an interesting experience. It's a different one. Because uh, sometimes I'll look out at the landscapes and stuff like that, and I'll be like, I thought there was, like, more depth in this image before. Mm-hmm. Um, high definition video gives you like this quality that I mean digital cameras now especially give you this quality that you can see night and like landscapes differently than you can on film. A film there's like a, just like an immediate drop off. Yeah, night. there's just a limit really. Yeah, yeah, it's just and, like blobs of like light and like these black spherical. <laughs> worlds. And Michael Mann is like, I want to be able to see the next city over from this rooftop. <laughs> like, yeah, and, and you know, um, Dion Dion Bibe Bibi. I don't know how to pronounce it anymore. Good job. Yeah, but the cinematographer, Dion... You've done your research. No, 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 because I I always forget... I was trusting you. (laughs) Dion Beebe, who also shot Collateral. And in the cut. And in the cut. Well, specifically Collateral because that was a Michael Mann movie, but he Mm -hmm. shot tons of stuff that I love, including, like you just said, in the cut. Uh, Gemini Man. Like, he's a dude who will, like, experiment. And he also shot Land of the Lost. Uh, God, he's Rob Marshall's guy. That's kind of insane. I know. He's too good for him. Rob Marshall, how do your movies not look better? He, he's too good for Rob Marshall. They're buddies. They're like close friends. Yeah, but like I would if I was friends with a cinematographer that was that good, I would just be like, you make the decisions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh maybe he does. Oh my Rob god, Marshall. he did Gangster Squad. Remember Gangsta Squad? I do it so bad. It's a, it's a gangsta squad. That movie should be a fucking like layup. Gangsta Squad. <laughs> so fucking. That was anyway. like a beginning. That was a movie for me where it was like right as I was like a budding like I don't think I like cops that much. And that was a movie about like we're gonna fucking the cops are gonna take the law into their own hands. And now it's like oh no. Yeah. That like I thought I was like I was like er, like. Not to pat myself on the back, but among my white idiot friends, I was on the, like, I don't like cops bandwagon a lot earlier than other people. And then even I was kind of like, oh, yeah, you know what? I haven't been thinking radically enough about our relationship to police in this country. Yeah. Um, Oh, Dion Bibi also shot 13 Hours, the Michael Bay movie. And that's not, like, a, a great movie. It's one of the best looking movies, like, of the last decade. I think it looks just incredible. Um, you think it was Miami his decision Vice. to cut the scene? Um, was it his or Michael Bay's decision to cut the scene in uh, 13 Hours where Hillary Clinton uses her secret email server to uh, direct the attack against Benghazi? Stop. <laughs> I, don't, what if the, I don't even know what the conspiracy theorists even believe at this point. I don't know. Like, Just that Hillary was somehow involved. 
<laughs> oh, the snowman. He did the snowman. Yeah. And that's a terrific looking movie that for yeah, some it's, reason it's has a, a terrible home video release. Yeah, well, why bother? Like, honestly, yeah, like, look, I love why. that director, but, like, there is nothing salvageable in The Snowman, unfortunately. Like, The Snowman is going to be, like, the keep where there's just, like, you, you're, there's no version of it that's going to work compared to, like, just based on How what was How dare shot. you? The what? keep is nothing but immaculate vibes. There's, there's probably a vibe version of The Snowman that works. Yeah, on vibe levels, but it still doesn't work as a movie. And The Keep doesn't really work as a movie either. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. That's fine for me. Yeah, you know. I would uh, say the my... first 20 minutes of The Keep are, like, unrivaled in 80s fantasy horror cinema. Like, the first 20 minutes of The Keep are amazing. And then, like, they kind of forget what to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, for Miami Vice, this movie almost had a similar problem. I don't know if you know that. I know there were a lot of problems. There were a lot of problems. Uh, let's see. Let's run down the cast really quick. Colin Farrell as uh, Sonny Crockett, Jamie Foxx as Ricardo Tubbs. And I'm Gong sure those Lee. guys were not a problem at all. Okay. Let's just start, <laughs> jump into that then. We can kind of go through the cast. Uh, we could pepper in that as we go through the discussion. Uh, Jamie Foxx is rolling with an entourage at this point. He just won an Oscar for Ray. He's been working with Michael Mann since Ali, though. And yeah, they have he... a great working relationship. He's the guy... Who brought up to Michael Mann that he was like, why don't you just do it again, man? Let's do Miami Vice again. And Michael Mann has been kind of percolating on that notion since the end of the, the television show's run, you know? Kind mm. of in his back pocket. He's been working on other things, you know? His 90s run, I think, is what, like, normal people think is, like, his best run. I think his run just never stops, but... Yeah, I think I think there's a disagreement over where the run kind of stops or even starts, I guess. Yeah, uh, for me, it's like he it, it doesn't miss. Like the keep is the closest thing he has to a miss. Now the keep I, is a miss. I'm sorry. Like and I want, like I would love to love the keep. I really would. I don't love it. Let me make is, that clear. But it's it's a miss. It doesn't work. Like no matter how you slice that movie. Listen, listen. It, sometimes sometimes dudes just rock. Yeah, but not that movie. Especially that movie. That movie's also got like weird casting decisions. We don't have time to unpack all that. Anyways, so Jamie Foxx and Michael Mann start butting heads on this movie. Uh, Michael Mann is also a well-known maniac. Oh, yeah. Uh, And the weather conditions that they were shooting this film in were, like, atrocious, like monsoon season. Like, Mm. literally monsoon season. There's, like, two hurricanes forming in the background of separate scenes. (laughs) Now, here's where I defend that decision a little bit. Not when it's, like actively dangerous but if it's like you're you're if you're on like dry land and you just see the clouds coming in yeah fuck yeah terrence malick that shit and be like let's just fucking shoot right now this looks incredible let's go right now and Mm. with the digital cameras you can like you can get that lighting like really fast you know i mean it's more than just like turning on a light there's shit that needs to be done to get to that point well, you know, it was the they they probably shot this in the year two thousand five, and nothing really happened that year that would make people nervous about hurricanes. <laughs> Moving there nothing, on, there's um, nothing <laughs> hanging over people's heads. Michael Man being like, "We gotta go shoot by the levee." <laughs> no, no. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> It's or look at maybe... the clouds. It's perfect. We're gonna be fine. They say the levee's strong. <coughs> oh fuck! 
And then, you know, maybe also filming in the Dominican Republic where guns were were, uh, a very active problem. Yeah, someone got shot. (laughs) Yeah, uh, near the set. Not on the set, I don't think, Mm -hmm. right? No, no, no. But there was, like, gunfire when they were in the Dominican Republic. You know what? I gotta say, though, that's some bullshit to be like, we were shooting in the Dominican Republic and someone got shot near the set. It was wild. And it's like, have you been to America? Yeah. <laughs> like, fuck that. Let's, we're not judging these. We're not judging the Dominican Republic. How dare yeah, no, no, no. Well, to be fair, it's... Uh, Jamie I was Fox sitting also... in my living room, oh, like, two weeks ago. I'm reading a fucking book and a fucking mortar goes off <laughs> across the street from me. Because I live near these survivalist maniacs. <laughs> You know how insane that is? <laughs> and then you're like, oh, the Dominican Republic, that's some wild shit. Go fuck yourself. And to uh, be fair, th- this is this seems to be the result of, of Jamie Foxx being, like, generally not great to work with on this. And he wanted, like, he wanted salary, like, extra salary compensation. He wanted the top billing. Um, he wouldn't fly commercially. He yeah, would yeah, only he fly, like, on the private jets and shit like that. Like, he thought he was Ricardo Tubbs in this, you know? Yeah. What the fuck happened? Jamie Foxx is so odd. He, I, I of... think after, a little bit after this, his ego kind of dies down. At least yeah, in the they... public perception. Yeah, know? because the cause, uh, Ray didn't really take him anywhere. No. He's like... a terrific actor, and I think he's really terrific in this. Um, yeah. I, I He seems to be the one who uh, pushed for rewriting the ending so it wouldn't take place in the in the Dominican Republic anymore and mm. he got scared off like he talked a big game um as you do when you have an entourage if you've seen the hit show on HBO entourage no no one okay well i did at one point <laughs> I, i'm not I, proud of it um what do i know about entourage uh there's a guy named turtle on it yeah um they made a movie about uh uh, Pablo Escobar. That's like a overarching plot on that show. Yes. Aquaman is a thing. Yes, James Cameron's Aquaman. James Cameron's Aquaman. Um, and I know nothing else. Uh, Martin Scorsese has a cameo. That's, I mean, Marty seems like the type of guy that like does cameos. Yeah. Like he's in Shark Tale. <laughs> Marty, come on to the podcast. Marty. <laughs> I, I, I can call you that, right, Marty? Kundun, I liked it. Kundun, uh, yeah. Um, it's so funny that he doesn't like The Sopranos. I know, it's so weird. Yeah. Um, but hey, I mean, maybe he's just like, they're doing what I did already. Yeah. yeah I think Marty doesn't seem like the type of guy who watches television. Yeah, yeah. Like, if a guy is like, what is and isn't cinema, I think he's like, I don't have fucking time for this. Mm-hmm. Like, are they paying me to direct a pilot? Sure, but I'm not going to fucking watch it. Yeah, I mean, hey, yeah, he started Boardwalk Empire and uh, yeah. Vinyl. Yeah, which you can no longer watch on HBO Max. So fucking... <sighs> I know. You can, however, watch Miami Vice on HBO Oh, wait, Max. let's check in on the uh, Warner Discovery stock while we're talking, because they're okay. making a lot of great decisions. I'm sure it's going up. Oh, it's it's it was it's down another percentage. <laughs> <laughs> When we started recording today, it was down about uh, 5.5%, and now it is down 6.99%. It's about to be down 7% since the start of the day. <laughs> oh, man. We're fucked, Diego. We put all our money. We thought this guy knew what he was doing. <laughs> How did you talk me into investing? 
Um, oh, and let me get to Colin Farrell, too, because he's just amazing in this. I, I think Colin Farrell is one of my favorite actors. And I've only started really, like, realizing that recently. Really fucking great in this. And it's crazy when you think about, like, he's just, like, out of his mind. He is so coked it. up in this movie. Uh-huh. He, he swears, and you brought this up before the podcast, too, but he swears that he doesn't really remember making it. Mm. Which it's, is a thing uh, people who do a lot of cocaine say. Yes. Because, <laughs> A, they probably don't remember a lot, but also they probably don't want to remember a lot. Yeah. So. Um, uh, and Michael Mann probably almost gave him, like, a heart attack. Because he was also, like, Michael Mann's the type of maniac that's like, all right, Tom Cruise and Collateral, I need you to learn how to be an assassin. So yeah. I need you to, I need to give you these targets that you can fake take Here's out. a real gun. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he would like he would have Tom Cruise follow like people around and then like surprise them as if he was gonna assassinate them. Yeah, like which what is the fuck. So insane. in this, he has Colin Farrell go undercover, fake undercover with these um these drug enforcer agencies. But Colin Farrell thinks the situation's real. Michael Mann <laughs> doesn't tell him that it's not, and so the fake drug bust goes bad because he wants to see how Colin Farrell is gonna like adapt oh as if he was playing his. Character. I didn't know this story. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, uh, there's like Colin Farrell probably thought he was gonna fucking die. My God. Yeah, because and he plays it off. He he saves the situation, the fake situation that he catches himself in. And then and then Michael Mann comes out with a camera crew and is like, "You just got punked." <laughs> <laughs> and then he just like chokes Michael Mann. <laughs> <laughs> we lost Ashton Kutcher. Who can we get to replace? To reach the young kids. Oh I don't know, Michael Mann's free. People like Last of the Mohicans. Yeah. Hi, kids, I'm Michael Mann. This guy's name is Stu. He used to rob banks. Now he's my cameraman. We're gonna go and prank fucking... I don't know. <laughs> um... Uh, Colin Farrell has terrific sad puppy eyes in this too. Yeah. Which I think is so important for is this, this a, This is a year rocket. after, uh... The New World, right? Or is it the same year? A year after. Okay, yeah. So he probably filmed The New World like five years before. Yeah. Because yeah. of how Terrence Malick works. Actually, Terrence let me see. I didn't, I didn't think to look that up. Terrence Malick almost getting struck by lightning. Oh, this makes sense. I just look up the development. Terrence Malick began work on the script for The New World in the late 1970s. <laughs> Oh, good job, Terry. That's that makes perfect sense. You know, now I'm thinking about it, it's like, all right, so like we get we bring back Punked. Michael Mann's gonna host. We get Terrence Malick as the cameraman, <laughs> <laughs> but nothing is captured on camera because he keeps panning away because <laughs> he gets distracted by shit. <laughs> we repackage it as an avant-garde masterpiece. <laughs> oh, and I gotta give Colin Farrell credit also because he openly shit talked that fucking um, uh, CNN guy. That, that one guy we always dunk on, the fucking, the creep who was in BVS. Oh, Charlie Rose. Thank you, Charlie Rose, yeah. Yeah, where Charlie Rose couldn't remember the name of Miami Vice. Yeah, it's so Colin Farrell on Hot Ones. It's in the Hot Ones still. It's like, it's the end tag that they yeah, do. Yeah, it's a He's great just little like, oh, tag. this fucker couldn't remember the name of my movie. <laughs> like name of two, The name of a two-word title of a popular 80s show. Yeah. <laughs> so it's thank like, you, Colin Farrell. Yeah. I'm looking at Jamie Foxx's filmography, and it's kind of wild that it's like, He's like, I just did Ray, motherfuckers. I'm on top of the fucking world. And it's like, God damn, what does, what, he doesn't do anything between Miami Vice and 
like maybe horrible bosses are we gonna are we gonna defend horrible bosses uh i laughed when i saw it in the theaters and that's it Kyle Farrell's in it and he gets shot uh, <laughs> oh that's right <laughs> like kevin spacey oh miami vice reunion yeah um so but like even if we want to skip it, then it's like next year's django and change which he is very good in django yeah yeah he's, um, i think he's great in django and that's also a story where i guess like day one on the set like tarantino pulled him aside and like yelled at him <laughs> and is like you're not you're you're fucking you're not a fucking hip guy you're not a fucking cool guy you're a fucking slave you can't be acting like this shit on my fucking so whatever amount of cocaine Tarantino was doing that day yeah uh, does Tarantino uh, actually take does Tarantino actually do cocaine or is he just like that no I think he does I don't or know like, if he, he still like, does but he definitely did, he, like, take did the wrong dosage and like he's never come down <laughs> like he just mixed it wrong one day. And it's like, that's just how he talks now. Um, and I only know that story because Jamie Foxx told it and was like, I would work again with Tarantino in a heartbeat. So I guess something changed between the production of Miami Vice and Django Unchained. Yeah, well, it's, it's like uh, Michael Chiklis with the, the, the oil on his hair to like stop it. Because he was doing a play. Do you know this story? No, I don't know this one Yeah, Michael Chiklis is only bald because he was doing some like Broadway thing or something like that. Some play. And to keep his hair like, or to keep his head clean of hair so he wouldn't have to shave it all the time. He he put like this this deterrent in his head and it just it just stayed that way. Wow. It, it like it's, it's never left like a scalp and it stopped his hair from growing. So wow. yeah, maybe that's what happened to Tarantino, but instead of like his hair it's for like nose candy. <laughs> uh and I also will go for Jamie Foxx. I'll go to bat for White House Down. I think White House Down is tons of fucking fun and he's very like, funny is, in it. The only other one I was thinking about in between all this was like I know some people like law-abiding citizen is like a schlock masterpiece i haven't revisited it in a while but the new angle i've seen is that it has more in common with like a a korean horror drama okay sure which makes tons of sense and i'll totally go into it with that mindset yeah yeah i, I would like to revisit that one yeah uh yeah. and baby driver but that's like a fucking five-year gap from oh, yeah, and, down and, to that yeah and he's also he is great in baby driver yeah baby driver is one of the most like stacked casts of all time frankly like that yeah. movie doesn't get enough credit for the performances in it because mm-hmm. everyone wants to talk about the edgar wright thing and how much they are d- done with it but yeah like everyone does a really good performance in that which is a shame because two of the people in it are criminal but yep but hey at least one of them dies horribly yeah that's it that is a great shot to just rewatch if you want to see someone die <laughs> yeah you know the only person who's underserved in that movie and i think the big problem of that movie is uh lily james yeah. It is a great performance, but we don't get enough of her to, like, kind of justify what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is the big problem of that movie. Yeah. Other people uh, we think. also have to shout out, of course, our boy Maxwell Dillon Electro. Oh, my God. I forgot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He came back. I forgot. He that did too, come back. That movie's bad. It's really um, bad. They're both bad. That's what's fucking crazy. That's, that is crazy. But, but... This new one, this new bad one, was much more well received. So he kind of gets to go out on top as Max. Yeah, he gets to be like, "See, I was, I made the right decision." Yeah. Oh yeah, he was Soul. He was in Soul. He was Soul. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was Soul. Yeah, he was. Wasn't he the Soul in Soul? Yeah, yeah, he's Soul. Yeah, he's Soul. Yeah. So Pixar. Tim Allen was Toy Story. <laughs> Anyways, um, 
at the time of recording this week, he's got a new movie coming out called Day Shift. Uh, it's supposed to be like really fun. So I'm looking Day forward shift. to that. Day Shift. Day Shift. Yeah. What marketing group came up with that title? Uh, Netflix. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, I heard it's right. it's one of the better action ones they got. All right, here's something like, like we talk about how like Netflix has this like in style, like in house style, right? Mm-hmm. And it sucks. And I was talking about how like I think this digital, this digital shit plays a lot better at home than maybe it would in theaters, and that might be affected the response to these movies. Why hasn't anyone tried to do this at, like, a streaming level? I don't know. And part of it is, I think, um, not for Netflix, because they don't really have quality control. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of the other streamers, they, they have, like, uh, again, not an in-house style so much. Mm-hmm. But I think they do still limit, like, what they want to, like, take in. I think the stuff at, like, the Blumhouse level can get riskier. Mm-hmm. visually and those people still don't i'm not going to name names because this is an up-and-comer and i disagree with them fundamentally on like a lot of filmmaking stuff i've seen on twitter but i think it's important to point this out where someone was saying that like they hate that digital cameras became like the most accessible norm not because of what it gives what opportunities it gives people but because it changes the way we look of at movies and television Versus, like, film, which is, like, a softer look and stuff like that. Which is fundamentally incorrect. Uh, Digital cameras have significantly less quality than film. The film, like, photochemical process allows you to... If you capture that image correctly on film, you can go up to variables of, like, 4K, 6K, 8K, up to, like, 12... Like, past 12K, basically. Mm -hmm. And that's why every 4K release of an old film feature is going to have the latitude to make that leap to like a 4K upgrade or a, an 8K upgrade when we get there eventually, when the technology is available for mass consumption. Uh-huh. Digital just has an inherently crisper look, but it's like almost false information because it doesn't get as much information, right? Uh-huh. That's why it's easier to get like that digital noise that looks like film grain, you know? Like which is Miami Vice is like littered with, which we'll talk yeah. about in a second. Uh, so I just, I call bullshit on, on all that uh weird film versus digital stuff but to your point i just had to get that out of my system to your Mm. point i don't know why people don't do it but to also go back to my thing i think certain people just don't understand the capabilities they have with actual movie making you know like how many people out there right now in the industry are like i want to make a movie with a different cinematic language yeah i don't think anyone really tries that like Soderbergh, <laughs> Soderbergh, yeah, Soderbergh. Like, um, like even I know you like you you make fun of the iPhone thing a lot, but like it, that's that's a it's an opportunity. It's a possibility. he's trying, he's trying. Yeah. First person to through the door takes the most bullets, but yeah. uh, hey, <laughs> <laughs> never never refer to him that way again. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, yeah, you know, I just it's one of these things where like I'm shocked that even now like in the weird Renaissance, this movie's kind of getting that. There wasn't, I guess because the movie bombed, I guess that's really what it is, but, like, why didn't every movie for the next five years after this look like this movie, you know? Oh, there's actually another reason, too. <clears throat> Excuse me. I was having coffee. And is I it because, it. like, it's impossible to do unless you're Michael Mann? <laughs> <clears throat> so, there's a couple notes on this. One, the film was mostly shot with the Thompson Viper film screen camera, which was primarily used for a lot of... Uh, 
like news footage basically at yeah. a certain point i mean that's the thing that's like the vibe of this movie is that it like feels like you're kind of like on the ground like it feels like an episode of cops almost at certain points mm-hmm. like, but now check this out david fincher used it on zodiac and the curious case of benjamin button so it's not like these these cameras have an in-baked look to them which mm-hmm. is still also modern digital cameras that have like increased latitude in terms of light and shadow and textures so anybody saying that, like, oh, well, it's the cameras they used, suck a dick. You don't know what you're talking about. Because Zodiac does not look like Miami Vice. Uh, but mm-hmm. anyways, so there's those cameras which are no longer in production. Um, they definitely Let's go don't find have... one. Let's go find one. Okay. Let's go. Let's just let's go out, like, right now. Let me now. see. Google Thomas Viper film screen camera shopping. Oh, there's um, no results. No. <laughs> like, there's literally nothing. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, yeah, they don't sell cameras just on Google like that. Actually, you'd be surprised. You can get uh, a Red Weapon 8K on there. Yeah, the but that's camera used the, to film Alien Covenant, Guardians of the Galaxy. That's because Red is such a like brand. I guess so. Yeah, like they like they, those guys were smart. If they were smarter, they wouldn't go call it the Thomas Viper Film Stream camera. They would have just called it the Viper. Yeah, and I then, guess like, so. They would be, and then we'd be on like the Viper 4.0 or some shit. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's that's part of the reason why, right? The um, the information in the camera is not as uh, uh the, the latitude is not there. Mm-hmm. And when you're shooting high definition video, Michael Mann talked about that in the commentary for the unrated version, which I'll just say now. I'll I'll be talking about both versions just because like there's not that many differences. It's just kind of we'll talk about but the, the differences. But the actual cut is better. The actual and cut if, is better, and his if preferred you want to watch it. It's on HBO Max right now, um, and it you better watch it soon, <laughs> I yeah. guess, because of... Uh, let's check that Warner stock again. <laughs> oh, it's down 7% now. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, so there, there's that, um, and we'll talk about that stuff in a second. Uh, and Michael Mann in the commentary says, like, when, when shooting digital video, you you shoot differently than you would film because on film you're kind of like trying to get all the information in the shadows. You're trying to protect the shadows more with digital video. And this is actually good to know for like digital photography as well, which is something I didn't know. And so some of the old pictures I have, I, I can't like do a lot with <laughs> if they're, they maybe need a little touch up. Um, also because I didn't always shoot in raw, which is something uh, you should do if you're shooting on digital, if you want to punch your stuff up later. But anyways, Michael Mann says to protect, like, the whites, like, the lights, right? Because then oh. you also, like, you can color correct easier. Um, even if it's, like, a low-contrast image at night, you'll be able to get more of, like, the vistas and the landscapes, which he really, really likes. You know, the, sh- the film was mostly shot anamorphically. So when they're out on the boat ride, you get the huge view of the horizon with Colin Farrell and Gong Lee in the seat still. So it still feels intimate, but, like, they have the whole world out in front of them. Uh, there's a lot going on with the visual look of this movie, and I've seen people recently call it amateurish. Uh, no, good that's luck insane. making a movie that looks half as good as this. Yeah, that's insane. It's just different. I guess I guess it is weird. I guess maybe if we lived in a world where this did spawn imitators, we would see like the shitty version of this. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm trying to think of anyone that actually tried to copy its style. It's like it's like Spring Breakers, right? Like, Spring Breakers is definitely trying to do a Miami Vice thing. Oh, yeah. Have you, did, you, did you hear uh, Harmony Corinne talk about that? Um, I've, I've read him say things, but I can't remember what he said. 
Okay, well, I because I, I had like a, a big Harmony Kruin breakthrough a couple years ago, I think, mm-hmm. and uh, I love the cinematographer he works with now. But he was saying that like he loved the look of Mammy Vice and like it looks so crunchy, you know. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, I guess that's just how this dude talks about stuff. But he was going on and on about how much he loved like the the aesthetic of it, and like it kind of showed what digital could do that film couldn't. But he wanted to do uh, on film what digital couldn't, and that's like this is something I will give um, the film purists like the way you can coordinate and pull color in like the photochemical process is uh really it's very like specific it's hard to replicate or do something similar on digital without Uh getting like a very clinical look not impossible but it's it's you know that that's an advantage i think um less less work in the color if you get apart from that i think the only thing i can think of that like reference this movie specifically are like the Kane and Lynch video games. Yes. Do you remember I'm those? glad you brought that up. Remember those? The first Kane and Lynch game, not so much. That one's kind of trying to do like a hate thing, I would argue. Yeah, not very good. But but Kane and Lynch 2 is definitely trying to be like this is Miami Vice now. Yeah, Kane and Lynch 2 yeah. is, is straight up like it's like you're watching the game through a handheld camera. Not an endorsement of the game though cuz it's a bad game. But uh. <laughs> yeah, it's, and that's the thing about those games. It's like I should like them more as like exploitation bullshit, mm. and I just can't get there. You know? Yeah, I don't know. They didn't find a way to make it fun. Yeah, like, that's really the thing. But like, it, it's fascinating. It, it's more fascinating to like kind of take a glance at, you know, and like, man, this could be something. Yeah, and I, I don't hate those games either. It's just like, God, if they make a movie of that, which it almost did, starring Jamie Foxx at one point. Yeah, they kept trying. Like for years, they were like. We're going to do it. It was so weird. That was one of those, like, the first instances in video games where there was, like, the game wasn't even out, and they were already talking, like, movies. Yeah, do you remember who else was going to co-star in it? I remember at one point they talked about Bruce Willis. Yeah, it was going to be Bruce Willis and Jamie Foxx. I don't know who was going to play who. Yeah, it Uh, doesn't really There was a poster at the Cannes Film Festival promoting it. Really? Yeah. Well, most people forget that Cannes, there's also the... Like the market to buy movies that can go yeah, into production yeah. and stuff like that. That was one of those, and it, it still didn't get made. So. Mm. But also, do you remember like King Lynch got like saddled with controversy like really early on? Do you remember this? No, actually. Um, so I have another note about another game, but go ahead. We'll bring that up in a minute. But like Jeff Gertzman, who was the uh, editor of the GameSpot like review website, gave the game a six out of ten. Which is, like, honestly, like, a fairly okay review for that game. Mm-hmm. And then he got fired. And it was and it came out that it was because Eidos, the company, was advertising Kane and Lynch on the GameSpot website. Hmm. And that, like, they were, like, they thought that ensured them a good review. And so he got fired. And, like, that, like, kind of, like, tainted the game, like, right at the offset. Um, that guy would go on to find found Giant Bomb. Do you know Giant Bomb? No, I don't know that one. They're like a video game online website. I think they kind of just imploded recently. Oh, but uh, yeah, um, I think they're I think they're struggling as a lot of people are right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Kane Lynch too. When that came out, it got like savaged by critics. Like people hated Kane Lynch too. And there's been zero talk of uh, another one. <laughs> yeah, like again, it's just so repulsive. And if it was fun to play, that'd be one thing. But mm-hmm. it's just like fucking like it's disgusting, got, and then it's like not very engaging. I never got a hook on what they were trying to do with it. Like, could you figure it out? 
Uh, no, I guess just like at least for the second one for for Dog Days, uh-huh. it's like it, it's obviously going for like the Miami Vice look, but I think it's trying to capture like a sense of like immediacy and urgency and the violence, which I would argue Miami Vice does as well with its cameras and its techniques. I have no explanation for the first game. I bet some people just wanted to do like a GTA style narrative game. Yeah, which like whatever. Like open, I get it's it. It's not like an open world game. Like, no, no, it's not. It's is, like, is the first Kane and Lynch game? There was a video game from that era where it opens with a shot of the World Trade Center on fire on nine eleven. I don't remember like that, that was like a character's backstory oh my I th- god i think it was kane and lynch like and it was like one of those like is it too early to reference 9-11 and i'm like i don't know if it is but it's definitely a little too early to start referencing it in video games <laughs> <laughs> um i remember that yeah so i i'm not sure if it was kane and lynch or if it was uh another it, whatever 2007 that era of video games Mm-hmm. The early HD era where, like, they're kind of experimenting for a little bit. And then, like, once you hit 2008, 2009, every company's just like, make it like Gears of War. And that's yeah. what games are for the next, like, five years. Yeah. And now they're all, like, fucking God of War. Or, and excuse like, me, they, The Last of Us. It really well, yeah, well, no, the there's, there's The Last of Us because, like, stories have to be serious now. And they got to deal with serious themes. But also, like, the mechanics have to be really simple so we don't actually put that many resources into the game. Or it has to be Fortnite. <laughs> Those yeah. are the two. Video games are amazing. I still like the Halo multiplayer. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, where my Halo head's at. Never played a game, never played Halo. I'd, I'd recommend the first one still. I bought one. Halo 3 when it came out. <laughs> never opened it. Okay, well. So Probably is an unopened copy of Halo 3 worth money? I might still have it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe look into that. So, because, like, Halo games go for, like, $5. They, yeah, they but if it's unopened, there's some fucking nerds out there. If they haven't Maybe. killed the brand, it might be worth money. But also might have, like, the giant, like, purchased at GameStop sticker on it. <laughs> like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> thanks, GameStop. Uh, the other game I was going to reference, and this is actually pre-Miami Vice, but I think it's the closest thing I could think of to capturing, like, a grimy aesthetic. Um, and I, I do think it's also going for, like, a Blair Witch-style thing, too, hmm. is Manhunt. Oh, yeah, Manhunt. Yeah. yeah. It's very, th- like, like the cover of the game is the look of the entire game. Yeah. You know, like, that, that uh, scan line VHS shit. Um I don't know people's takes on Manhunt. I have not played it. Okay. Um, I've seen video of it, though. Brian uh, Cox is the antagonist. Yes, I know it's, that. It's about... Um, here, talking about Nope recently, it's about also filmmaking. Yeah, and it's like it's like snuff films and shit it's like that. It's snuff films, like, yeah. Yeah, I know the, the basic... The antagonist is felt, called the director. <laughs> this so. might sound insane. I always thought looking at it that it kind of had the vibe of like, what if John Carpenter went digital? Uh, a little more fucked up. <laughs> no, no, and definitely, like, but, like, it kind of had that vibe to me, because it's, like, a weird, like, the setting and setup, especially. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think, think I never thought about that, but that's, a, that's, I think that fits. I think, like I said, in terms of setup, like, if Carpenter, like, post 9-11 just went insane, like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like maybe we could have gotten that. We don't really know, because Carpenter only makes, like, Ghosts of Mars, and then it's done. We don't really know what, like, 
a two thousands carpenter would have started doing. The had ward. He given the resources. So he would have done the ward. Yeah, but that's not really a movie. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not very good. The ward was someone's attempt to like sm- like hide like tax dollars and shit. Like it was some sort of money fucking funneling thing. Um, yeah. But manhunter, manhunt, as I should say, not manhunter. Um, that's the Michael Mann film. Was basically the like fulcrum of the video game violence debate for the longest time yes it is a brutally violent game i'm not someone who really complains about that but like um this this might be the one that i I, i'd give people a warning to like it is it is pretty graphic and that was like jack thompson being out there could be in like it's a murder simulator like that was his thing Uh, i remember that that and then when i don't i manhunt 2 doesn't seem to be that well received I didn't um, play that one. Yeah, I don't know a thing about it. But that was the one where, like, they also, like, they they kind of caved and, like, edited a bunch of it. Because everyone's favorite person, uh, Hillary Clinton, um, jumped on board the video game violence debate and said that she was going to start, uh, like, imposing laws that would make sure these type of games couldn't even legally be given to children. Um, and then, uh, a bunch of the video game developers donated a bunch of money to her Senate campaign and suddenly all those complaints went away. (laughs) So. Interesting how she works. Interesting how someone like that was, uh, the nominee for the Democratic Party. Um, but that was when, like, the Wii, because it was, like, motion controls, Jack Thompson was out there being like, they're training children to stab people. (laughs) It's psychotic bullshit. Yeah. Jack Thompson and various U.S. senators. <laughs> um, is Jack Thompson still alive? He got this bard. <laughs> didn't know that. Yeah, he got this bard. He is permanently disbarred by the Supreme Court of Florida for inappropriate cl- conduct, including making false statements to tribunals. That'll do and it. Disparaging and humiliating litigants. Surprisingly, that doesn't always do it, but the firmware does. So. Yeah. He went after rap music and shock jock Howard Stern. <laughs> Comrade what a, Howard Stern. What a I we no. probably no. There's too much of Howard Stern in like the nineties and two thousands to be that we can ever reclaim Howard Stern. Yeah, yeah. No. The he could be your guy. I'm I'm good. Yeah. Don't look up what he was saying around the time of the Iraq war. I oh guess god, no. Saying. Yeah. No, no, no. Oh, unless you want a picture into what the majority of Americans felt at the time, and not what we were pretending to feel, <laughs> what we actually felt. Um, maybe I should play. Maybe I should replay Manhunt one of these days. Yeah, I'll see if it holds up. Because like I remember just being like, "This is like interesting." I just thought like, "Oh, violent game, cool, whatever." Yeah, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's one is it, it might be one of these games where like they won't even let you stream it these days. Yeah, it's pretty fucking brutal. It is. It is, it is like edge lord bullshit. But I'm like, there's like an idea here about like consumption and exploitation, and it's it's interesting. But Miami Vice isn't about that. But what I will say, uh, the one like kind of through line between Manhunt and Miami Vice is that in in a way they're kind of about like how you like you present yourself. You know, like. With undercover stories uh, regarding police and, like, criminal organizations, you know, they're putting on a mask and stuff like that. And, like, Bad Boys does this. A bunch of fucking cop things do it. Um, But Miami Vice, I think, is the one that understands, like, the most interesting part of the narrative 
isn't like about like heroic cops doing shit. It's like, what does it mean to these individuals as like people? Uh-huh. Like, Tubbs has like a, a home to get back to, like a life to get back to, uh, and like Crockett like doesn't. And it's like, you know, the opening scene of him in Miami Vice is flirting with the waitress and getting a mojito. You know, yeah. Uh, he's like, this is what he does. He works. He flirts. He probably has like hookups and then just goes back to work. There's nothing like for him in the real world. This is like all he has. And I think the movie understands that that's deeply fucking depressing. Mm-hmm. Now, this is the, like the natural like progression of heat, you know? Mm-hmm. Like heat is very much a movie about like, actually the hunter and the hunted can only truly relate to each other. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of what that movie is. Miami Vice is like, it's this, it's this movie about like how difficult it is to like separate these entities at a certain point. You know, I think this is a beginning for me of a certain like apocalyptic dread that starts seeping into Michael Mann's work, you know? Mm-hmm. And there's no better place to set it than Miami. <laughs> like, yeah. Also, uh, in the commentary, Michael Mann references that in the 80s, they saw the, the, the setting and premise of Miami Vice as sort of like an American Casablanca. Where like, yes. Here's a, a, a sexy town with a lot of mystery and intrigue that kind of provides narrative like every week for the rest of mm-hmm. these people's lives, right? For, or, I guess, five seasons of a television show. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> uh, but it was like a, a smaller location. It kind of blows up after Miami Vice in the 80s. Um, not just because of Miami Vice, also because, like, you know, the war on drugs. Yeah. <laughs> but um, um, And now it's such, like, a booming place. It's a place that people can get lost in. It's no mm. longer, like, a getaway resort. So he, like, adapted Miami Vice for the what was then the present, you know. And he recognized that that might put people off, but there's two people that watch Miami Vice. There's people that go for like the pink flamingos and the neon and all that, the, the stylization or the people that go for like uh, the narrative explorate explorations of these individuals and their lives in a, in a job that kind of absorbs their lives. Yeah. And I was like, Oh shit. Well, Does it's, he get it? <laughs> the show even is a show kind of about how deep corruption runs, you know, like a very much Casablanca think of like everyone's kind of paying off each other, you know, like everyone's mm-hmm. working against each other. And that's that, that. This is just the logical extreme of that in this movie. I mean, this movie opens with like the FBI is straight up compromised, you yeah. know, and it's like that's how bad it's gotten. <laughs> like it's like literally like the, this is how bad the war on drugs has gotten. That might as well be the mission statement of like the opening of this movie, of just like the war on drugs has gotten so bad it sucked in like every military apparatus. They are no longer visually distinct from one another. They, they literally don't look very much different than the neo-Nazis who show up at a certain point. They're all cogs in this machine, and it's just, like, spiraling out of control. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you brought up that uh, the, the apocalyptic dread of this, too, because, like, a, the Black Hat is also um, the end result of, like, Michael Mann's fascination with, like, digital technology and how, like, the, the, the grid of... There's a grid on the world now, right? And, like, every person not just agencies but every person has like the possibility uh, of using technology uh through their own specific means for better and or worse and here it's like very pointed that people uh, like like crockett and tubs are like where the fuck do like the neo-nazis like have 
access to this kind of equipment. Like, when did that happen? You know? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, like all these organizations are gonna like, like fucking have these these techniques and and things that put people in danger and harm's way because it's just gonna become more readily and publicly available to everyone. Mm-hmm. And that's not me saying things being publicly available to people are bad. But weapons being publicly available might be pretty. That, bad. that is bad. That's the bad <laughs> part. Yes, a gun that like blows a guy's arm off in a fucking car. Do you know how they did that? How they do that? That is an amazing. Yeah. So they fun. there's no people in the car when they film. I I would assume so. <laughs> but <I'm> otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, Michael Mann just shot two people and put it in the movie. No, no, no. Michael Mann just murdered two people and kept it on the down low. Oh, okay. I mean, the man's committed. Yeah. No, no, yeah. So they they really shot up the car with, like, weaponry. And then uh, just digitally mapped the people breaking apart. Okay. God damn, that looks really good. It does look really good. Like I would not have guessed that's how It looks just off enough to be, like, something is different, but not but bad. But there's also... Not bad. The whole, I think there's also a trick of, like, the whole movie kind of has that off feeling to it, you know? Mm-hmm. Which I think is part of the like digital likeness of it that like it can kind of allow like kind of sloppier stuff to sneak through in a good way. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I, I, I'm how much man's aware of that? I'm not sure, but it really benefits the movie. Well, you know, I think it's like again to go back to my rant about the digital being like the crisper, cleaner perfection thing, and how I'm like I don't believe that. I think you need to embrace the imperfections. Like people embrace imperfection yeah. on film all the time. You know, they talk about that. It's like. But that that's a great way to work, frankly, because mm-hmm. uh, you're gonna reach imperfections. You're gonna bump up into a bunch of fucking problems. I think digital imperfection is really exciting too, and I think Man also gets that. He shot the fucking restaurant fight in blackout on an iPhone because he was upset that the lighting was taking too long, the camera setup <laughs> was taking too long. I mean, hey. I mean, I don't agree with that kind of thinking all the time, but I'm like, hey, it, it fucking works for me. But you can also tell how much he just loves to just shoot digitally, just like the, on fucking rooftops. There's so many rooftop scenes in this goddamn movie. Yeah, have, and, have you heard him talk about uh, the the Ali one? Um, That's like the moment that broke it open for him. Really? Yeah, where he, like uh, when Will Smith is looking out at at the protests, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Why is this so special?" And he's just like, "Fucking has like an emotional breakdown," explaining like it feels like I'm right fucking there. And you could see these vast landscapes at night that I've never been able to see before on a film. It feels like I'm really there. It's the most, like, human experience, whatever. Well, and I'm like, about, man. There's that scene in Heat between uh, De Niro and What's-Her-Face, um, the woman he in, he gets, like, really aggressive with and insults, and then, like, I was Edie. like, ah, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, like, that shot, like, it's kind of like the worst-looking shot in the movie where, like, you can tell it's, like, just a fake skyscape behind them you know mm-hmm. like you know what i'm talking about right yeah 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 and you just see like it almost feels like he was trying to like correct that with these later movies of being like i want this is what i was going for with that but i didn't have the tools at the time yeah yeah you know and to be fair they did shoot like that scene like naturally and then they just like matted it onto the mm. scene which is why, why not it's funky <laughs> yeah <laughs> Because it's like you you couldn't get the two stops for the people and the cityscape to be like equal. And he's like, no, 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 I want to see the people and the the landscape. And then Dante Spinotti was like, Michael, there's no way to do this. Mm -hmm. 
Now there is, though. And Dante Spinotti has also been someone who's openly said, like, he loves working with digital, and you can do so much more with that. Mm-hmm. Which is why he worked on Ant-Man and the Wasp. Oh. Yeah, you can't fucking tell. That's when I turned on that movie, when I found out that he fucking shot that. Yeah. Man shot Manhunter. Well, does any Marvel film really movies. look that great? Like... What's the best looking Marvel movie? Uh, Thor. I'm not just saying. I'm not saying no, that to piss you off. I genuinely Thor. think Thor's the best looking one. It's not Thor, you fucking psychopath. It absolutely is. It's, what you... it's not Thor. It's either Thor God or damn. Guardians of the Galaxy two. I'd maybe go with Guardians two. Okay. If those are the choices, but uh, Black Panther before the weird last minute color yeah. degradation. Yeah. Before maybe. they ran out of money. Yeah. Um. <laughs> That you know what it's so that's kind of weird. I can't think of the last time I saw a movie though where it was very clear that at a certain point they just ran out of time and money. Yeah, like Marvel I know has that problem, but normally they're able to like spread it across the movie so it all has like an equal kind of level, you know. Mm-hmm. And Black Panther was like, "No, nah, the first half looks pretty good," and then it's like, "What the fuck happened?" <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah th- those are my my picks. Uh, those those three, but mainly the the first two because they got finished, and that's no one's fault for Black Panther uh, except for the studios. Yeah. Um, how about that Wakanda Forever? It looks so fucking good. I know it does. Be it does look very good. It's like it's just so depressing. <laughs> it's 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 horribly depressing. It's like oh that movie's God. gonna be fucking huge, and not just because the Chadwick Boseman thing. Yeah. But it's it's gonna be fucking huge. Well, Black Panther was huge. Like yeah, that movie. yeah. And you had to deal with a bunch of people being like, I don't get it. Why is this movie such a big deal? Which is still a talking point. But people are fucking dumb. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. So what, what, what do you think is the best looking Marvel movie? Um, I don't know. I was asking you because I didn't have an answer. Um, I don't watch them enough to be like, to like have strong opinions on the look of them. Like we're like, as I've, you know, if Abby is listening, which she is not. Um, she could attest to the amount of times I've rewatched Miami Vice on her Plex server. That was like earlier this year, right? It was like last year, but like it continued into this year. Because <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of a movie where I will just fucking put that shit on. I mean, and I don't even know if it's the whole movie itself, but there is fucking something to the opening of this goddamn movie. Like. It why just is the drops you into it? Why is it so good? I can't. I honestly like. I don't have like the exact answer as to why it's so good. I think it's the perfect thesis for this film. The opening mm-hmm. image and sequence is perfect for what this film is because it also ties into the last sequence of the film, which we'll get to. Mm-hmm. You you just in this moment. And I I want to say just a heads up to anyone who might be watching it on HBO Max, which you should. If you have the opportunity. Um, I don't know what the fuck happened when I went to watch it the last three times. It, uh, the HBO logo would come up and then it would just skip like 20 seconds ahead. What? And I couldn't figure out why. Yeah, it was doing that. And like, if I, here's the thing, if I went back to the HBO Max logo, the HBO logo, it wasn't HBO Max, it would keep skipping. But if I went to the Universal logo, I didn't have that problem. That's fucking I have weird. no idea what that was, but it just kept happening. So, just a little heads up. But goddamn, that opening! I think, like, honestly, I think that's the opening itself is the reason why I've rewatched the movie so many times. 
Just well, it's also like uh, kind of a calling card. Like I was mentioning for for Sonny Crockett, you know, living in the moment is like his whole thing. Uh, that's that's the movie. We're just getting yeah. these like glimpses. Like the movie well, yeah, takes it's place a movie. over like three days or something. It's um yeah. Uh, well, uh, is it over three days? It feels short. I'm sure it's, it's long. But it's I think it's one of those where like I think Michael Mann was going for something about like how these days kind of blend into each other. Because this movie is so much about the process, even more than like for even for Michael Mann, it is obsessively about the process. Like, oh yeah, and I I think it's more about that. Like, it is something where it's so much about the moments, like you said, like about being in the moment. Because it's a movie that by the end nothing is really accomplished. You know, mm-hmm. like it's it's like sure, like a, a X number of people have been shot. Like we got the one guy, but the the really bad guy got away. That it ultimately everyone is just kind of just like the love affair is just was doomed from the start. Like it's everyone's back to where they were at the start, kind of like a TV episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so much about being in the moment. So I guess that's really what it is. Cause it is a movie where I could tell you basically every scene. I don't know if I could consistently tell you every scene in order. <laughs> Yeah, there, there's definitely a little mix-up once in a while. I rewatch it, and I'll be like, oh, that does come later, right, right. Or that, oh, that was already here, okay. Um, and I want to also talk about what you just said, like, nothing's accomplished. And I think people see that as, like, a detriment. Like, oh, the movie made a yeah. mistake because the plot becomes unimportant. Or yeah, because like, no one would make that decision logically. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's... Ah, fucking... Well, that was the whole thing about... Remember The Last Jedi? Like, not to be Star Wars up again... Like, if Michael Mann is listening to this, he probably just committed suicide. But, like, it, it's... Remember, everyone was like, nothing was accomplished in that movie. Do you remember? That was, like, the big takeaway from that. Yeah. And then, and I was like, and are you out of your got, fucking mind? It got down until, like, okay, well, the rest of the movie makes sense. And, like, I disagree with the Luke thing. But nothing was accomplished with Rose and Finn's side story. And then one, I was like, no. That's, that's char- it's clearly character development for Finn to understand, like, the plight of others and shit like that and how this and like what he has he needs something worth fighting yeah, for but it's, it's very it's obvious so much... to anyone paying attention to things but then the failure people were like well they just fail and I'm like yeah what could be the reason for that yeah do you think well, that even, was an accident it's not to make them look like buffoons even ignoring that like to attempt something and then to fail is still things happening you know, like mm-hmm. it's like we don't even need to get into the like that, it, that thematically or character driven. It makes sense. It is st- like you can still fail. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, Everyone it's, fucking it's, loves Empire Strikes Back, which is a movie all about failure. Yeah. But apparently when you like take that thesis rewritten, to other films, it becomes a problem. They've rewritten history so much when it comes to Empire Strikes Back. I Fans know, were I irate about that movie. Because they and they made the same complaints that nothing happened in it. Like the one thing Last Jedi has going for it that I don't think people made the complaint with uh, Empire is that no one like they like Luke wouldn't behave this way, which is like not really a take. But (laughs) it's just yeah. Sorry, but it is it is it's infuriating that people go like, why the director makes such a narrative mistake? And it's like no, that's what they chose to do. Like what the fuck? What what? It's only a mistake if you say it is. Like... Yeah, look, and and maybe we're going a little hard for uh, Last Jedi and Miami Vice, but I think both Ryan Johnson and Michael Mann understand that audiences are smarter than even we give them credit for. Hmm. 
And I start to reconsider their notions of that. I know Ryan Johnson said that, and then Michael Mann also said that regarding this film, mm-hmm. which I was like, oh, that's, that's like the nicest thing he's ever said about someone, maybe. Uh, <laughs> what did he say? Sorry, I missed your point. <laughs> he, he said that audiences are smarter than we give them credit for. Yeah. And so that's why he feels comfortable putting in all this, like, what could be, like, received you know as techno babble, which is all apparently mm-hmm. very accurate stuff, according to his commentary. He just keeps bringing his shit up, like, every five minutes. Like, oh, this is uh, actually techno uh, information drop, brought on by, you know, cooperating yeah. with, like, informants from the CIA. And then, oh, we're here with the, with the DEA, the IRS, well, you know and this is how you track the weird. funds. <laughs> For me, is that like it seems there's like I, I agree that audiences are smarter than we give them credit for, but there's some weird thing that happens with audiences where we they only think we're you. This is an audience decision. This isn't a studio decision. That audiences seem to think they're only allowed to be smart for certain movies. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like there's something about it's the reason why audiences responded very well to something like Knives Out, right? But like couldn't do it with the Last Jedi. Yeah, and there was something about like they they didn't even look at the movie as being a movie, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is so sad. And that's just I guess that's just the inherent problem with franchise filmmaking. I mean, maybe, that, but I also think people are like through franchise filmmaking, uh, like conditioned to not engage with like themes or like ideas of stuff. You know, people mm-hmm. are still losing their mind over the shoe and nope. Like that's the biggest criticism I've seen of it. That's like I can at least see how you misunderstand that mm. you know yeah but like here's honestly i see people like with different takes or like not understanding it but i people are still like it gets their brains working you know mm-hmm. i haven't seen any as are people like negative about the shoe a couple i've seen it, it i haven't seen any... down again we talked about how like thankfully the, the the turning tide against jordan peele seems to have like vanished not happened yeah, yeah. It, it left immediately as we thought it would appear mm-hmm well, I think the weird rewriting people are doing is that now people are trying to say us was some sort of misstep, mm-hmm. which is wrong. But, uh, yeah, there's uh, there's something to audiences. But also, did you see, I saw some people that were trying to break down the shoe as, like, a physical thing. You know what I'm saying? What do Where you they mean? were like, well, they're, they're like, well, so that means there must have been alien activity happening even then. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know? And it's like the weird people people can only think of a physical response in movies as opposed to like a metaphysical. Yeah. And that's a big thing that audiences just kind of were are really conditioned against. And then even when they are challenged on it, they will like push back with the physical even harder. Mm-hmm. You know? Which is that's a frustrating thing. And I don't necessarily think that points to a stupidity in audiences, but yeah, more like the conditioning of audiences. Yeah, yeah. Um but because that's the thing, like, people, like, are putting in the work for Nope. Like, people came out of it being like, look, I don't understand all of it, but I'm willing to put the work in to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And that's just something that wouldn't happen with, like, a more mainstream release. Yeah. And I don't know what that's about. I don't know. I mean, Miami Vice was technically a mainstream release. And I will be honest, I love this movie. I, I love the way it looks. I kind of love everything about it, frankly, to be, like, very, like, blatant and, like, boring. I don't know why it costs $135 million. Oh, I know why it costs $135 million. Uh, price tags for the actors? I mean, there's that. There's Jamie Foxx's fucking private jets and shit. Oh, yeah. But, 
But like it, I, I have to disagree. It looks like an expensive movie. I don't let the don't let the digital <laughs> digitalness of it all fool you. This there is so much money on screen in this movie. And I, I, think, I guess maybe when it comes down to like, okay, we consider the opening boat chase, which is cut. Later mm-hmm. boat chases, uh, yeah. a lot of helicopter a lot, stuff. And a lot of helicopter stuff. stuff. A lot of like precision stuff where it's like we're only going to be able to get this shot. We have like a five minute window each day to get this shot. Like, yeah, there's a lot. Of, you can tell that. Like, I guess what I'm saying is, you can tell that the main resource Michael Mann had on this film was time, mm-hmm. and I think that's what is really on display here. And maybe that's why this this look never took off. Is that to achieve it on this level was just going to take an insane amount of time. So like, why bother? Mm-hmm. But I don't know, man. It looks like an expensive movie to me. Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm too focused on like the look rather than what it's capturing. Yeah, because I mean, there's so many go fast boats in this. There's so many go fast boats, but it's also like, wow, that car is really moving in this shot. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's like also, like, where's the camera? Is this camera from another car filming this? And it's like in the film for like three seconds, maybe. I mean, yeah, like the the opening, like. Speed off to uh, uh, who, who's that fucking guy? John Hawks. Oh, the guy who's Alonzo. in like a bunch of yeah, Alonzo, uh, played by uh, John Hawks. Is that his name? Yeah, yeah. Who uh, who kind of disappeared for a little bit? Where's he been? He's doing a lot of indie stuff. He's fucking fantastic. And He's Michael Mann notes in the commentary that he cast him because he saw immediately a quality that you just see with, with up and comers that they're going to be the next big deal. And that he- kind of doesn't happen unfortunately but he's yeah, fucking he's, terrific uh go check out uh martha marcy may marlene yeah a great movie another movie where it's like oh god I, it sucks that elizabeth olsen got sucked in the marvel world yeah she, she might be out of it now though she so seems very happy to be out of it um so good <laughs> for her but uh, he's also great in that i'm surprised he never worked with man again you feel like uh man would like bring him back a few times yeah um uh, Fucking Tom Tolles is in this movie. From fucking Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. <laughs> and The Devil's Rejects. And Malcolm yes. in the Middle. And uh, Werewolf Women of the SS. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. That little fucking thing. Um, but, yeah, I, I believe he passed away um, a while ago, actually. Oh, no. Um, of 2015, um, age 65. Was kind of getting like a he was kind of getting that career resurgence, but this is like even, I guess. Uh, did, does this mean Michael Mann saw House of a Thousand Corpses? Uh, maybe, maybe. Um, I always wonder that. I never know if it's like the casting director or if Mann is like one of those guys who's like, "Get me that guy." Um, it, it might be both. So here, here's another thing. This isn't specifically related to Mammy Vice, but also kind of is. Uh, John Ortiz as Jose Yero is really good in this. Like really, oh, yeah. really good. John Ortiz well, is just terrific anyways from our yeah. beloved AVPR. Mm-hmm. John Ortiz was cast in AVPR off the strength of his work in Miami Vice. Makes a lot of sense. So you're welcome. <laughs> um, he comes back for... He's a, he, he kind of becomes like late era man guy because he's in Public Enemies and Black Hat. Yeah. So. Bring him back for Ferrari. Why not? Ferrari's buddy. <laughs> Ferrari's buddy, John Ortiz. <laughs> yes. 
Um, well, like Barry Shabaka Henley, like this is, I think, the end of his run with Man too. Yeah, because um, he's in Ali, and then he is in uh, Collateral. Um, and this is and this is it, and he's great in this. He's maybe my favorite performance in this movie, and I think he has maybe five minutes of screen time. I, yeah, I don't know if he's my favorite. I don't. I don't think so. But he is. I just. Terrific. I cannot get over. I like. I like. I don't know. I really don't know what it is. I'm not like a macho person in any capacity, but there is something that just gets me so fucking pumped when it's leading up to the big shootout at the end. Mm-hmm. And like they're all getting in positions, and like Barry Spaghetti, like, it's going down my way, like he gets that whole thing in the hospital, yeah. and then it's like right where things about to go up, and he just like has he has the fucking mic up to his face, he just goes fire, like I'm I like this is the fucking it. greatest movie ever made, I like in that moment, it. and mm-hmm. we're talking about moments, like oh my god, yeah, no, every like, moment oh, is the best moment in movie history. I mean, he's great in Collateral too. I mean, that's oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. one scene, fucking magnificent. Like, I'll be so far gone and be just like I was dead. Like, yeah. And man, shouts him out too in, in the commentary for this and Collateral. Like, right he, on. he really like liked working with him. It sounds like, but again, yeah, that might just be for the commentary, or maybe there was just no role for him. Michael Mann. You know, he chose yeah. the middle name Shavaka. Really. Yeah, his stage name Shabaka is taken from a pharaoh of Egypt's 25th dynasty. That's the hardest shit I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> Fucking right on, man. Yeah. Good for him. Is, he's not doing much lately. He was in Dolomite Is My Name. Yeah. Um, I like but, that movie. But I guess he's got a TV show. A lot of these guys just end up on TV shows these days. Yeah. Which I hope they're making money. Yeah, me too. Oh, he was on Bosch. Remember Bosch? Should I watch Bosch? I've never watched Bosch. Roger Deakins loves that show. Yeah, my my dad loved Bosch. Well, that explains it. <laughs> so, it's, a, it's a dad show. All dad media went to Amazon Prime. Yeah, like, that's why I like what... Reacher. <laughs> <laughs> Just fucking a dude built like a Tyrannosaurus smashing people's heads in. Remember when uh, uh, Tom Cruise played Reacher initially? Yeah. Which might be one of like the biggest miscasting decisions of all time. Yeah, but that movie kind of rocks. Movie's all right. I'm not like a giant Reacher guy. Okay, I, I'm not in love with it, but it's a solid action movie. It's one. It's one of those ones where I feel like like one more pass, it would have been a really good movie. Mm-hmm. But hey, uh, fucking Warner Herzog's in it. Oh yeah, he's fucking um, awesome. As, I think his character was called the Zek. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just like what he gives a whole speech about eating his fingers or whatever. Like he bit his fingers off. Yeah, to like prove loyalty or something like that. And then his henchman couldn't do it, so he shoots him. Yeah. That's how you set up a guy. Hell yeah. Not a character like that would not appear in this film. (laughs) No, no. But we do get Sierra and Hines, and I want to talk about the cast too, but I love Sierra and Hines. Mm -hmm. It's a great character actor. He was in Game of Thrones, and then they just, like, didn't know what to do with him after a certain point. Yeah, because the books don't tell you what's going to happen with him. Yeah. But... That was super disappointing. He was also it's in wild. Belfast. You know what? I just I just did a rewatch of Game of Thrones because my sister had never seen it, um, and like I was like, we're gonna watch until season four, and then I think you should stop. <laughs> <laughs> and she took my advice. Um, but like, it's kind of wild that like they honestly the show knew what it was doing for those first four seasons. 
Yeah, like even season two, which is like a little like you can kind of feel the rough roughness padding out a little bit, but like yeah. it reaches like a good point by the end. But it also feels like a lot of that was done more for budget reasons than for like not knowing what to do. Yeah, yeah. You know? And then like they still had like interesting pair ups with characters like the Tywin Lannister and Arya Stark stuff in that Which isn't in the books. Which is it's, yeah. Like, they, they and totally it's fucking it. fascinating. It's great. It's, it's some great of the sequence. best stuff the show ever does. But it also, it's clear they understand, like, what these characters' arcs are. Like, a big thing, especially about Jon Snow, like, with Mance Raider and stuff, is, like, Jon is, like, learning from all these different, you know, father figure types, like, what makes a good leader, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, he's, it's it's different. Unlike everyone else who's, like, given the throne by birthright and, like, are unqualified leaders, he's, like, learning what actual qualities make a good leader. And is the only guy democratically elected, basically, you know? Yeah. Like, he's, he's elected... <laughs> On the Night's Watch. Like, that's a whole thing. And they, like, by the end of the show, it's like, actually, the best leader is someone who doesn't want to be a leader. <laughs> and it's like, no, you fucking moron. <laughs> like, how do you know it that well for the first four seasons and then just lose it? Like, I guess the answer is you stop, don't want to make the show anymore. Mm-hmm. But I hope those guys had money invested in Warner Media. Up, it, it, it went up a little bit, but it's still... Oh, nope, nope, it's down. <laughs> it's down 7.3%. Uh, some other fantastic people in this movie. Dropped an entire dollar today. Oh, wow. It, just in one day. Um, Anyways, how about Naomi Harris? Naomi Harris is fantastic. Um, she her, is British. Why, yeah, why her career never really took off. Like... She's in stuff, but, like, has never been huge, you mm-hmm. know? I guess they thought Venom, Let There Be Carnage, was going to be it. No. She, she's great as Money Penny and doesn't get stuff to do after her first yeah. appearance, which is unfortunate. And she totally, like, kills it in Moonlight. Moon- oh, know? fuck yeah. Although you brought up that Naomi Harris is British. Uh, fucking Eddie Marsden is British. Yes. And he shows up in that one scene and he's like, what are you doing to me? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it can come back on me, baby. Am I sure to that? And it's just like, where the fuck did this accent come from? It's like, where did this accent come from? Why him? Like, it's not like one of these things where it's like, okay, we need an actor to like really carry this movie. It's like, there's got to be someone who actually talks like this who you could have for this scene. Mm-hmm. He's in one scene. <laughs> it's like, now get Eddie Marsden. <laughs> I love Eddie Marsden. I do too, and honestly, I love him in this. It's just like, why though? Uh, That's really all it comes down to. Uh, I like Eddie Marsden the person, from what I could, you know, conceivably know as a like as an. Oh artist. yeah, yeah, I'm talking um, about an actor. But he, when Benedict much. Wong uh, was cast as as Wong in the MCU, mm-hmm. or no, after, um, I think it was like around the time of Infinity War. Eddie Marsden sent out a tweet, 20 years ago, I was friends with a bunch of struggling young actors. Benedict Wong was the best of all of us, but he was of Chinese descent, and it was so much harder for him because the parts weren't there. Now look at him, his own Marvel poster. I'm bursting with pride. And I thought that was really sweet. That's pretty cool. Good for him. Yeah. Uh, He's also just, like, fascinating whenever he pops up and stuff. I think Yeah, and he seems to not, he doesn't have a type either, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, he's not playing the same guy in every fucking movie. Yeah. Because he's, like, in this, and he's in the fucking World's End as, like, a goof. Yeah. And then Wrath of Man. He's an atomic blonde as just, like, the guy that, like, they can't, like, get killed. (laughs) Oh, yeah. 
Oh, he was Paul Wolfowitz in Vice. I forgot. He's good in that. Uh, I'm the Vice defender has logged on. I'm sorry. It's all right. Have you seen it yet? No, I, have I need not. to know if I'm insane or not. You, you might so, be. Like, I need I need you to check it out at some point. Right. Uh, he's kind of becoming like a Guy Ritchie like like mainstay too. Oh yeah, he did, yeah. Uh, the Gentleman, Wrath of Man, which which is like maybe his best movie, um, and the new one, Operation Fortune, Ruse to Cure. It feels like he should have been in Rock and Roll. He should have um, been. Actually, you know, Rock and Roll was, is still my favorite. He was Lestrade in uh, the Sherlock Holmes movie. Oh, yeah. And he's yeah. good. He's great in that. Um, that's why that second one doesn't really work for me. Like, Lestrade, like, isn't in it. Like, they cut out all the supporting characters for the second Yeah, one. I don't like that, but I think Richie's direction is, like, really good in that It's one. fun. Richie's a fun director. Like, it's it's he lives and dies by his scripts, though. Mm-hmm. Like, if the script just isn't there, the movie's just not going to work. Which is why King Arthur is so fucking good. King Arthur's very bad. Okay. Anyways, um, okay, more cast bad members. Movie. Uh, Elizabeth Rodriguez. I don't know if you know who that is. What was that? Who? Elizabeth Rodriguez. Yes. Yeah. She's great. She has not right? been in a lot of good things, unfortunately. Well, she was in Logan, right? Logan. She She has a small part in that, but, you know... It's something. Yeah. Oh, she was on. She was on Orange Is the New Black. Maybe that like absorbed all her time. I think so. Oh, they brought. She was on the first season of Fear the Walking Dead, which means she died at some point. Yes. Um. I did see that first season. Any good? Uh, I, I wouldn't recommend it. Didn't think so. No. Um. Oh, I guess she's a recurring character on the Clone Wars cartoon. I forgot that. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, She's one of the Martez sisters, which people don't like those characters for some reason. I can't imagine why. But I I thought they were fun. I like them. What is what is what is your deal, Star Wars fans? <laughs> we know what it is. <laughs> Fucking get it together, man. Yeah. Uh Dominic Lambordazzi, Lambordozzi. He was an entourage. I'm going to try that again. <laughs> Dominic Lambordozzi. Lombardozzi. There's a lot. There's one. You, you could say something a lot easier right now. Dominic. It was he was Herc on the wire. Oh, that too. Who is like like that character is like the banality of evil. Yeah. <laughs> Where it's like Herc and Carver, are like the two dumb like street cops at the start of the show, you know, mm. and like by the end, like Carver's kind of becoming like you know. The next, like, natural police, which, you know, a cab, but, like, that's the theme of that show. Mm-hmm. And then Herc is literally, like, informing for an evil lawyer. Like, <laughs> there's the, that, the whole arc of that show is those two characters. Kind of, yeah, but I always, I always tell people, like, Bubbles. It's, like, the hopeful one, though. Yeah, but, well, Bubbles is, like, the heart. There's, like, a whole thing there. Yeah. Like, you know. But I think Herc and Carver are, like, the mission statement of that show, of, like, the two directions you can go, right? Because mm-hmm. that's a show about natural police versus, like, the ladder climbers, right? Yeah. Like, and it's, like, the system inherently rewards the ladder climbers and punishes the natural police. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, should just punish all police, guy. But, <laughs> uh... <laughs> But that's kind of like when people say, like, the wire's about how nothing can change. I'm like, that's, there's, there is a, they're, they're making a point there. Yeah. Like, they're making, they're not just saying. Yeah, even, even if fucking the 
David Simon is is maybe not have the most like finger on the pulse in regards yeah. to actual policing and stuff like that. Like the show isn't saying that. Yeah, it's it's that's a very like libertarian, uh, or you know what? No, not even that's like angry teenager. You don't know any shit about the world. Like ah, oh, well, nothing yeah. changes, so why bother? That's not at all the wire. I would even say that's not Miami Vice. Yeah. Even though we just talked about how like nothing really changes in the the world of the show, you know. Well, no, I think it's it's more just an indictment of just how fucked fucked our society is. Like, mm-hmm. it, honestly, it's one of these things where like some people like they I get why people do that. Like, people suck, nothing changes attitude because it kind of like it absolves us of any complicity in any of it. You know? Yeah. Because it's like it's almost like it was always going to go this way. And the, the thing that drives me nuts about everything wrong right now, especially, is that it really didn't have to be this way. Like. There was, none of this was a guarantee, you know? If it was, I wouldn't get that emotional about it. Like, if I really thought, like, nothing would change, nothing can change, and it's all inherently bad, I would, I would be a lot more content, maybe, in my own life. Yeah, if I felt that way, I'd probably just kill myself, frankly. But I I mean, isn't, isn't that Bane's whole thing? Like, Bane is, In Dark Knight Rises? yeah, Dark Knight Rises, like, he holds, like, hope out in front of them. Like, he understands that, like, if you if you leave someone with, like, that glimmer of hope, it's, like, the ultimate torture. Mm-hmm. Because, like, you're still stuck in that hole. But guess what? Batman got out of the hole! Yeah! So we can, too. You just have to lose the fear of death, I guess? I don't know. <laughs> oh, no, that, yeah, that's the message of that movie, a little bit. It's, like, not, maybe not as literal as that, but, like, you know, you, you can't, you can't allow yourself to be tied back. You know, you have to... Yeah. Give into who you, you you truly are, and like help. Give the up around all you. worldly possessions, billionaire Bruce Wayne. Also, Batman so like democratizes Batman after he loses everything because that's the right thing to do, and he couldn't see that when he had all the options in front of him. So he yeah he brings the cops back. Well, okay, look, I guess a little murky there, but <laughs> a hero can be anybody. Even someone who gives a little boy a coat to let him know the world isn't ending. Yeah, the script for that one's a little talky. Um. <laughs> Bruce Wayne is Batman. Like, they needed to throw that in there, too. Like, <laughs> goddamn it, buddy. <laughs> it's like, we, we, we get the flashback to Batman Begins and everything, too. It's like, it should click. But... Yeah, it should be like, whatever. Bruce Wayne is Batman. <laughs> <laughs> um... Oh, and Justin Thoreau is also in Miami Vice. The yeah, writer of Iron Man too. 2. Isn't that so fucking weird? That he's in Iron Man 2? No, he's the writer of Iron Man 2. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, but like that's one of those where like you know they didn't use a fucking word he wrote. No, no. Like, he is sole credited on the screenplay. Yeah, but that means nothing in Hollywood. It means that most of it is probably hit. At least the David bones Kep of it David Kep is the sole credited writer on the first Spider-Man movie. Oh, shit. That's true. And, like, I know for a fact they barely used the screenplay. So, like, they, it, they it means... a good portion of it, but also they, in classic David Kep fashion, they took out the stuff that doesn't really work. Yeah. So they took out the David Kep screenplay. <laughs> they, they took out the Justin Thoreau-isms of it all. Mm-hmm. I don't know what his isms are. <laughs> yeah, I don't really. I don't have a finger on Justin Thoreau, honestly. I don't either, but I like him as an actor, uh, and I like the leftovers quite a bit. I knew a lot of guys who looked like his character in Mulholland Drive back in the day. <laughs> That's discomforting. 
And yeah, you know what? Some of them were really chill and cool, but most of them weren't. <laughs> weren't. Uh, and the one character we have to bring up, Isabella, played by Gong Li, who is remarkable in this. Who uh, did all her lines phonetically. Yep. Which, Which makes uh, her performance even more amazing, frankly. Yeah, my, my father doesn't believe me when I tell him that. Like, I have to, I have to rem- like, convince him every time I put the movie on. <laughs> because unfortunately, because I watch this movie so much, I also torture my family with this movie all the fucking time. No, no, that's fine. That's good. Uh, Gong Li's fantastic in this. Um, is Gong Li, like, kind of fucked up? I don't, I don't know. What do you mean? I, I think, like, I don't know. Like, there's a lot of... I, I, I have no way of getting into, like, the culture around Chinese cinema, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I just feel out of depth. But, like, it feels like she's a controversial figure here and there in a lot of ways. Like, she renounced her Chinese citizenship for a few years, but, like, I think she it's she's back now. Oh, okay. And, and um, she also had, uh, like, a complicated relationship with, uh, what's his name? The guy who did, uh, Raise the Red Lantern. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, there's, like, stories uh, about, Zhang like... Mo? Yeah, there's stories about, like... They were kind of like an it couple, maybe, in China. I don't know how true that is, though, because I don't know enough about, like, China to talk about this. But I think, like, and then their breakup was kind of controversial. But then they, like, still work together. There's there's something going on there. Mm. So, But I just don't know how much that, like, is her or just, like, China is is strange in yeah. a lot of ways. Like, and by China, it, I mean the Chinese government. It's a, it's a different, like, like industry over there too yeah like regards it's a different to like stars industry and... is a word for it well i'm talking about the the film industry yeah <laughs> that's that's <laughs> jesus um, i mean look like we i mean we our our film industry is a propaganda arm of our government too <laughs> but uh, we at least try to hide it a little bit yeah um, um but She's she's really amazing in this. I saw some people saying like, I don't know why everyone likes Mammy Vice. Gong Li and Colin Farrell have no chemistry, and I'm that's sorry, insane. But that's that's just crazy. There are just like individual moments where they're they're like technically not on screen together. They're in the same scene, and they'll see each other from a distance and give each other like a nod or something like that. And I'm like, that right there is more romantic than like half the shit I've seen in two decades come out of Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Like. I don't know how you feel that way and, like, watch any movie ever and get joy out of it. Like, maybe you do, but I don't understand you. <laughs> like, this is a really... This is this is a really romantic movie. Yeah, and Michael Mann um, in the commentary when you get to the heart of it, that uh, he, w- he wanted to make it, like, uh, more focused on the, the romantic drama. Mm-hmm. And he thought if he could, like, focus in on that around the surrounding, like... Um, like duty stuff. Well, that stuff. is the one time, like the look of the movie changes, is when it's just uh, Gong Li and Colin Farrell. You know, yeah, like, the whole style shifts for just their relationship. So there is a kind of like uh, uh, interesting angle there. So yeah, it, it's probably uh, Michael Mann's most romantic film, and I could recommend it to most people on that basis alone. Um, but before I forget, I want to talk about the scene. Where uh, John Hawks uh, is told his family is dead, so he walks in front of a truck. Yeah. 
which is fucking an insanely brutal shot in this it, movie. It's so isn't it so fucking jarring? Yeah, it is, and it's like it. But like that's where this look of this movie really works. It feels like it, like did you're kind of like did that just happen? <laughs> you know, like it really feels like. And there's that great shot where he's like looking and he sees the. Uh, I don't even know what they are. There's like construction like streamers on the side of the highway. Like, no, no, no. Those distance. are those are street lights. Are they street lights? There are street lights when he's looking at Jamie Foxx, and then the focus shifts, which is just an incredible use. Yeah, of but there's focus. but there there is something blowing in the wind. Is there? Are you sure? Am I? Did I hallucinate this? I think you did. Those are just street lights on the highway. Hold on. All right. I. You know what? I have the movie on in the background. Okay. 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 So. Uh, I'm gonna get to that moment real quick, cause I I need to know that I'm at least somewhat sane. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm looking at stills from it. It's just I just see. Uh, there are the lights, but I'm pretty sure there's something else there. Hmm. So, you know what? There's like something on the side of the highway. I see it. Yeah, you see what I'm talking about. Yeah, right? it's like what what is there, that? I think it's like construction ribbons of some kind, like. Like, you know, but I don't fucking know. Maybe Michael Mann just went over there and just, like, put those on the thing. So I can yeah, he's like, haven't you heard shot. of Kurosawa's movements? <laughs> Come on, guys. Get it together. You, you dumb fuck. I feel like Michael Mann just would be, like, really intense to work with. Yeah, I've, I've heard he's a little rough around the edges. I mean, that's a story with, like, why, like, him and Johnny Depp basically, like, didn't speak on the set of Public Enemies. I love Michael Mann. Yeah. But like you know, Michael Mann should have beaten him. Uh, you know, hey, look, people got opinions on that guy. Yeah, yeah, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, people got opinions on that guy. Um, one thing that is not uh, disputable about that guy though is that he hasn't made a good movie in over a decade. But you know, Rango. Oh yeah, that is over a decade now. Yes. So to my <laughs> fucking point exactly. You fuck. Yeah. I love Rango, but goddamn, it's been a while. Yeah. Um. All right, I just got to my scene. I just want to. I just want to check the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, really wasn't hallucinating. Yeah, see, there's stuff there. Yeah, you fuck. You made me think I was going crazy. No, I admitted I was like, oh wait. I yeah, but like at out. first you were like, oh, and then he gets by the truck. He's dead. Well, because when um, you said construction stuff, I was like, what? Like, and I, you know, I, I expect like because I've seen construction on a highway. I expected mm. something big. I was like, there's no way. And so I was. I don't know why Miami looks the way it does, just in general. Like <laughs> Miami, it doesn't feel like a real place. Let me see. I'm gonna. I have a friend that lives in Miami. I'm gonna text him right now. Why does ask, Miami look like that? Yeah. What What happened? What went wrong? <laughs> why? And you know, um, I don't know. You know, Florida is a state. <laughs> Well, for now. For now. No, no, I'm just kidding. That's that's not what for I think. Independent at all. region <laughs> ruled by. Well, like there's been uh, this recurring joke in the history of like Hollywood and television, cinema, whatever. That like Florida, something's gonna happen to Florida. Have you noticed that? Hmm. It's like Bugs Bunny chopping Florida off the United States, and it floats away. I'm sure there's some South Park gag about it. And then in the the Halo fan series, Red versus Blue. When they're talking about, like, the 50 states, someone corrects the group, and they're like, don't you mean 49? And they're like, oh, yeah, Florida. Poor Florida. So I mean, Florida is, like, the edge of the world if you consider the world the United States. 
I mean, you know, like it's 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 the edge. It's as far as we go. This is as far as you go. It's a line Uh-oh. from Prey. Michael Mann, I saw the thing you just retweeted with. It says Heat 2 is out today. Yeah, it's like a blurry <laughs> image of Robert De Niro firing a gun. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, if you didn't know, it just looks like he's like, Heat 2 is out today. Here's a photo of someone firing a gun. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Mann, what's going on there, buddy? I don't think he uses that account. I think it's just like a... I assume, but like, I assume he has to approve what goes on there. I don't know. You never know. Maybe. Oh well, it looks like a a still from the set someone got, and it's just like really Mm -hmm. fucking blurry because the gun's moving so fast, it's shaking the people around him too. Mm -hmm. Oh, it looks like uh, uh, the Treasury Department is going to turn over Trump's tax returns. They're going to capone him. It looks like they might. Hey, it's better than nothing. Yeah. Remember when people uh, were like, actually Trump paying no taxes is be- makes him a smart businessman. <laughs> and that was like the moment where like it really, really clicked that uh, like, oh, like these people don't believe in anything. Yeah. Like, you know, like I, like, like I kind of understood that, but like, that was the moment where it was like beyond all shadow of a doubt that like these people don't believe in anything. Well, Hey, speaking of like the banality of evil, like you mentioned with Herc from the wire, uh, John Ortiz has this moment when he's setting off the bomb, right? That, that nearly blows up Naomi Harris. And he just goes, he like, he's working. He gets like the phone, blows something up and then goes back to work. That's like really creepy. Yeah, it is. But that's also the fucking black hat hacker. Yeah. And where he's just like he's got like the fucking cords like wrapped around him holding the keyboard and he just walks over and like hits two buttons and it's like a nuclear reactor just melted down. <laughs> like Yeah. And so it's clearly like a an image uh, like a sequence that Michael Mann's like fascinated by, like how much control people have of the world around them and how little impact it has on them directly. Mm-hmm. Which is why, you know, we've joked about, like, Comrade Michael Mann once in a while. But I think on some level he must understand, like, yeah, something about the world. He knows something. Yeah. I just, you know, you just make sure you make sure we don't know too much about Michael Mann, I guess. Yeah, no, no, let me just worship his art <laughs> yeah. and, and I'll be okay. Yeah, he's going to be like, by the way, I think eugenics was actually a good idea. Whoa. Michael Mann out. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> Like, that's the thing I'm dreading. <laughs> you know, where, like, there's those guys, like, there's occasionally guys that are, like, super smart, and then, like, they believe, like, one really insane thing. And it's like, where did where did that come from? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Great movie. Yeah, great movie. I don't know if we have much more to say about it. I yeah, just, like, uh... the only other thing we could talk about is just, like, that, like, we would just be going like, remember that scene? That was awesome. Yeah. Like that was what that's what this would devolve into, really. Oh, okay. You know, I, a couple more points, and then basically we're done. Mm-hmm. Um, Luis Tosar, who plays Archangel de Jesus Montoya, really good with very little intentional, intentional. Yes. Again, it's not an accident that this guy doesn't talk a lot. You know, he has that line after he's meeting uh, uh, Crockett and Tubbs, and they're undercover with him. And he's just got to go back to work. So he's like, this one will take very long. And then says, I do not buy a service. I buy a result. And it's like, okay, got it. And then 
he keys in on something that you only see the the consequence of if you see the director's cut or unrated cut. He says to Tubbs specifically, give my best wishes to your families. The next scene, Trudy gets an order of yellow flowers and she calls him and says, thanks for the flowers. And he's like, what flowers? That's fucking scary. That is like, that. that's horrifying to me. Um, it's a good sequence. He's a great, one- great performance. Uh, very frightening character. One problem that Michael Mann could not have anticipated is that the look they give that character kind of looks like Brett Gelman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So whenever I watch, whenever I watch this movie, I think of Brett Gelman. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I I'll accept it. <laughs> That's amazing. Which um, is something that Michael Mann could not have anticipated <laughs> that Brett Gelman would be like a noted figure in this era, but uh, hey. Yeah, good for Brett Gelman getting that <laughs> yeah. Michael Mann money. Brett Gelman gives a great performance in Miami Vice. <laughs> you know, he's actually really good in Stranger Things. No, he's a good actor, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Um, Some of these comedy fun. guys, like, they're just fucking really talented when they get, like, good dramatic material. Was he the guy, someone from Adult Swim, like, basically quit because they brought on some, like, comedy team that was, like, kind of like a mega comedy team, and they were going to produce their show? Was that Gelman? I don't know. Um, And then, like, those guys didn't get their show made either because I think they violated some contract, but then they tried to say Tim Heidecker got him fired. And then Tim Heidecker had him on the podcast, and it was just awkward. No. Just some wild shit. Oh, my God. Oh, no, it says, uh, oh, yeah, it says, in November 2016, Gelman said that he had left Cartoon Network and Adult Swim due to the network's alleged poor treatment of female employees and the promotion of the controversial Million Dollar Extreme, which is uh, on Wikipedia described as a post-ironic comedy, which means racist. <laughs> Just like, well, what's post-ironic racism? That's just racism. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, uh, literally last things, and then we will really wrap up. Uh, so the un- unrated cut, again, is not Michael Mann's preferred version. He was just offered by Universal to create, like, basically so they can make more money on the on the well, also video the, sales. The head of Universal at the time gave, like, a crazy quote, which, like, you just wouldn't hear from an executive. They were like... Look, the movie bombed, but, like, we always make money with man on, like, home video. Like, he made a statement like that, which is something you just don't hear from executives these days. <laughs> yeah. Where it's like, we were willing to lose money on this just because it's good to have Michael Mann, like, as a home video guy. And I, I bet you part of the unrated, ver- like, release was kind of tied into that. Like, oh, we'll, yeah. make, we'll, we'll make double our money, like, if we release a different version on home video. And we can trick people into thinking... It's a better version. <laughs> Not that this version's bad, but, like, audiences clearly didn't respond to it. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, yeah, theatrical cut's the way to go. I will say there's an in-the-air needle drop, or in-the-air-night needle drop uh, from the, the band that covers it, Nonpoint. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. It goes right when they when they do the fist bump in the car and they head off to the final showdown, like a fucking Western. Um, it, it plays pretty well there. 
I prefer the John Murphy score. I think his score in this this film is is outstanding. Um, Wait, is uh, in the air tonight? Is it only in the one version? No, no, no. It's in the theatrical cut for the credits. Okay. Which I actually kind of prefer. So I don't know if that's controversial. Did I watch the? Wait a minute. Did you no, watch the rated cover? Like, no, or... I watched the theatrical because nothing else was different. But I could have sworn I heard in the air tonight, like during the movie. No, 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 no. It's just in the because uh, spoilers. I didn't. I I put it on again last night and I didn't finish it, so I didn't even make it to the end credits because I, I was like two a.m. Yeah. But I could have sworn I heard in the air tonight. Well, that that new version, right? You know what? That's what it was. Yeah, fuck. Right. That's what it was. All right. Okay, because there, there's All a right. lot of new metal in this. There's yeah. again, Numb Encore. Lincoln Park is kind of a new metal band, or at least they were at the time. Um, this movie is the peak of new metal. Yeah, and some people say <laughs> that no the music choices are kind that. of like embarrassing or like like cringe or whatever. Whatever fucking reason, Michael Mann knows how to use shit. Yeah, how does he know how to do that? What 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 did he tap into? Here? I th- I think the same way that. The 80s Miami Vice, the original, knows how to use that 80s soundtrack to create an atmosphere in a way that television still kind of struggles but with. But how frankly. often... I think he did the same often, thing for the film. How often does someone who has the finger on the pulse of 80s music also have the finger on the pulse for new metal? I don't think it's specifically like... like a, a, a It a just genre doesn't thing. seem possible. I guess not, but like I think he's just such a talented artist. He knows... How important the visual audio qualities of his work is. I don't like you know what? Like I, I have to agree with that. Like I think like I do understand like getting sick of like talking about Michael Mann like he's some sort of fucking genius, but I just can't think of how he comes to these decisions sometimes mm-hmm. and like makes it fucking work. I'm just like you know, yeah, and I don't want to give reason... I never wanna give one director that much credit, but there's goddamn he's got something. Yeah. And we know oh, he can damn. give him that much credit because plenty of other like composers that have worked with him have said we're never fucking working with him again because he butchered yeah. our shit. And it's like, but it, it works really good there. I'm not and endorsing like, that decision. I'm just saying, you know. And then he's like he like fires back at him too. Yeah. And it was like if they wanted, they should just stick to music if they want to tell me what to do in my movie. Uh, I mean, like that's not well, how I forgot, I'd phrase uh, it. I forgot uh, Michael Mann went to Comic-Con in 2014 to promote Black Hat. Oh. That was before people knew what to do with Chris Hemsworth. Mm-hmm. That was before people knew what to do with movies. Though. Was was that the same year Snowden was there? No, no. I think Snowden went after. Okay. Maybe. Uh, oh, Michael Mann also knows no how to knows use why. Moby very well. Hello, I forgot Snowden was screened at Comic-Con. God, like, they didn't just have a panel. Psychotic. They screened it. All right, so like the opposite of someone who has their finger on the pulse, like Michael Mann, might be Oliver Stone. Yeah, like absolutely. Although he invented QAnon with JFK. Yeah, I forgot about that. Imagine that being your legacy. No, I get why he's trying to pivot these days. Mm-hmm. Although also like releasing a cash grab. I, I God bless Shout Factory. They do a lot of good work, but like they're promoting the shit out of JFK Revisited because they have the rights to it, Ugh. and it's like such a scam. <laughs> Damn, <sighs> that sucks. Um, 
Yeah, Miami Vice, super romantic. Shootout at the end is amazing. The shootout at the end oh. rivals the shootout. I heat. feel like uh, if Jamie Foxx was beat, I don't know, you might know this, but Jamie Foxx's uh, diva mentality people talk about on this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like maybe he was the one who's like, I have to be the one to shoot the bad guy. Maybe. So, okay, that's any- actually something I, I almost forgot to bring up, too. So the shift, the, the changed ending was basically going to be like a Bad Boys 2 style raid on uh, mm-hmm. Jose Yero's mansion with uh, the Archangel. And mm-hmm. it would have culminated in a similar fashion, right? Explosions, shootouts. Uh, Gong Li and Colin Farrell still, you know, have to accept that the romance was doomed and go their separate ways. But that mm-hmm. ending apparently would have solidified, like, the bonds of brotherhood between the leads. Mm-hmm. And I think we understand it in the film. It's not... Yeah. If it was the TV show Miami Vice, it would feel different. But this movie, it's about both of them, obviously. But they're also in their own worlds. And specifically that Jamie Foxx has a like a life to go back to. And now Colin Farrell doesn't. And he has to accept that, you know. And, and so we're talking about like how the film's constantly like in motion. It's about like moments. You're in the moment. I think that's why it's so pivotal that the last scene we see, Jamie Foxx by uh, Naomi Harris's bedside. Their hands touch as she starts waking up and he calls the nurse. The, the moment freezes. The, we get a freeze frame on their hand. because they're, they're together. They're stuck in that moment together. The last scene we see of Colin Farrell walking back into the hospital, it cuts while he's walking. And it's just like he's constantly going to be on the move, looking for the next thing to make him happy. They'll be okay. I don't think he's going to be okay. And that's why this movie's fucking brilliant. Yeah. I think it's this thing of like, I think no one's really happy with like the changed ending from what I've read. Yeah, like, but I think it's terrific, so... No, no, it is the better ending. The other ending would have been worse, honestly. Like, it would have been maybe more narratively satisfying, but this is a, this is the better ending. Yeah, and to this day, Michael Mann has, has said, like, he he's glad people appreciate the movie, but he doesn't really understand why, because it's not what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Like, as recently as, like, I think this year... Yeah, yeah, he still, he gave some interview where he was like, yeah, he's like, I'm glad people like it, but I, I, I'm disappointed in it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And even, like, uh, uh, Bilge Ebery, who's, like, one of the, like, the primo Michael Mann defenders on Twitter. He, like, he has met Michael Mann, right? Yeah, he's done multiple Q&As with him, and, like, he hosted a a BAM retrospective in New York, like, in 2016, and there's a great, like, hour and a half long, uh, conversation between the two that you can find on youtube where michael mann check that out yeah go go check it out it's it's great and uh you know he he bill just says like i'd talk about Miami vice all night if i could with you but we have to move on (laughs) it's like yeah (laughs) i would do the same that's probably yeah same yeah uh yeah Miami vice i think it's one of these things where like i kind of have to concede that like heat is the great michael mann movie you know Mm mm-hmm but like I think, and like it, I feel like it's such a film Twitter choice. Like I almost don't want to make it, but like Miami Vice might be my favorite. Like it's, this is where... for me. I have a Michael Mann list on on Letterbox. That's how much of a fucking loser I am. Uh, for me, it's Manhunter. I think that's just gonna be my number one. Like it, it's too much of everything I'm looking for in a movie. Like I think that's a perfectly calibrated like movie from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. And then Miami Vice. And then he, those those things might swap up once in a while. 
Although it's kind of nuts that like I honestly think you could make an argument for Thief being his best movie. You could, and you know, and... shout out to the late great James Caan, um, who basically I've come to realize maybe gives my favorite performance by a male actor ever in Thief. Mm-hmm. I think that genuinely might be my favorite performance. Yeah. Um, yeah, Thief is is worthy of that. So is Collateral, I would argue. Collateral, so I'll Cat. say. Uh, has had the best... Uh, I think I talked about this, and I think you were the one who said you showed it to someone and it didn't work, but everyone I've shown Collateral to has liked it. Yes. So well, that person's fucking not, weird. I love them with all my heart, but they're fucking weird. So <laughs> I have not missed with Collateral, so I can't imagine. Yeah, no, missing. it will work for most people. Mm-hmm. Why is this friend weird? Because they didn't like Collateral. What happened to them? <laughs> I don't know. Where did did that did the events depicted in Collateral happen to them? Uh, no, she's, she's <laughs> never driven a taxi. <laughs> Although well, she has taken know? multiple taxis. How do you know though? How do I know she's never driven a taxi? Yeah, because like maybe you like maybe it's like you know like the the guys who really served in Vietnam wouldn't talk about it. That's. <laughs> I guess that's a possibility. Sure. <laughs> You know, come to know think of this, it, her name is I don't also know who this Max. Friend is. What? <laughs> come to think of it, her name is also Max. Huh. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh um, no. Yeah. Diego, I got some bad news. Yeah. Uh basically every Michael Mann movie I, I think is arguably his best until you get to like the keep in public enemies. I yeah. will kinda not accept those. Public enemies is growing on me though. I like public enemies. I think there's a part in the middle that is like the hard thing to get around. I like but. a lot of public enemies, especially because now, like, just having a full breadth of understanding, not to toot my own horn, of Michael Mann, it's very much, like, a part of his uh, obsession with, like, the evolving technologies and, like, surveillance states and how privacy is, like, dead. Mm-hmm. Like, Mann, like, gets it in a lot of ways, at least as an artist. forged and, in the furnace of the fucking Great Depression. Yeah, maybe that. <laughs> Um, Miami Vice. Great Here's the thing: movie. I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend it to everyone, though. I honestly wouldn't. Um, yeah, like I, if you haven't seen any other Michael Mann, I wouldn't start with it. Yeah, I always say like, leave Black Hat, Public Enemies, and Miami Vice for the end. Yeah, everything else you kind of start wherever. Mm-hmm. And but, just you know, watch Mike, watch Miami Vice until you get it. You fuck. Yeah, I've seen some people come late to the party, and that's, like, fine. I, I always encourage people just check yeah, this no, stuff out whenever. But they're like, you know, I don't really get it. I've only seen Heat, though. And I'm like, aha, there it is. Okay, so yeah. go back. Get the other stuff out of the way and come back later. All right, Mammy Vice, five stars. We both like it. Matt, where can the people find you? Um, at EmperorOTN1 at Twitter.com. But didn't you forget to do something? Thank you for joining me. No, I know, I know. I forgot forgot to pull up the fucking thing right now. Hang on, hang on. I need to decide what we're doing next time. Oh, God, we still have four more left. Yeah. You're welcome, everyone. There's definitely less, but, like, we're still working on it. No, no, we can do this. We can do this. All right. Here we go. Little number generator. Okay. We got four left. You ready? Yes. Okay. It's fun because I actually don't remember what movies we have left, so. Gods of Egypt. Oh, no. Why didn't I talk you out of doing this one? I don't know. 
I should have done that. It's kind of a Steve drop off now. Even for people who may like it, no one's going to say it's better than Miami Vice. Which is maybe yeah, why we have to do it after coming up to such a high today. I guess it's like our one. I mean, we could do basically half of Alex Price's filmography next week. Uh, no, no, I mean, like, if we wanted to. <laughs> yeah. Like, because, like, Dark City bombed. I guess iRobot made money. Is that the only one that made money for him? I think The Crow made money. Oh, yeah. But that one's just, like, bad. But The Crow is whatever. But Oh, you don't like The Crow? Oh, no, but, like, it's, you know, it's a, it's kind of a little different. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I guess I'll be watching Gods of Egypt with ads on Peacock. There you go. It feels um, like a Tubi movie. Let me see. Is it on Tubi? It really does. No. Uh, just Peacock. Oh, Hulu. It's two that it came all right, two thousand sixteen, which is like the last year before everything went to fucking total shit. Um is like a weird there's a couple of movies that year that's like that's it's the last year movies like that would ever get made. Yeah. And Gods of Egypt is one of them. Interesting. Oh you cannot watch Gods of Egypt on Hulu. You have to have a premium like cable. Account. Oh yeah, you have to have like a yeah, you have to have a deal with some fucking cable company somewhere. You fucking, these fucking psychopaths. These fucking streamers and their fucking yeah. bullshit. Well, it's all collapsing. So yeah, let's check it. Let's check in on that Warner stock one more time. <laughs> um, up, it's it's basically where it was when I last left it off, but it's it's dropped a full dollar today. So, well, at least we're talking about Gods of Egypt next time. Yep. And uh, hopefully next time the Warner Brothers Discovery stock will be even lower. <laughs> Once it bottoms out, we'll we'll give you investment one hundred and one. I saw the funniest comment I think I've ever seen that also like really distressed me. Um, on a video, kind of like deta- like it was like a joke video about Warner Brothers stock, and it was someone's like. It's a damn shame that they're making all these bad decisions, especially right after they dropped a banger of a game. What? Because that game just got put out where, like, the different Warner Brothers characters fight each other. Oh. Which is, like, the last remnants of the HBO Max stream. Oh, (laughs) my God. (laughs) I was like, that's really all it took to win your people's approval? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, these people don't fucking think about anything. Like, the people that say that don't have an active thought in their brain. What's well, just some guy, it was just a YouTube comment. I don't know. I'm assuming it's, like, a kid who's, like, 18 years oh, old. Oh, okay. Well, that's different. That's different. Yeah. It wasn't. Diego brought the judgment in there. Well, I, I didn't like, know it was, like, a kid. I thought it was, like, you know, like, some guy. Yeah. But it was some, no, well, no, like, I, I was saying, like, I was watching a video, and this was a comment under the video. Mm, so I'm making an assumption. It might be uh, another person my age who is just as sad as I am. We did divert this this podcast episode to talk about Star Wars yet again. Yeah. So I really can't judge. But, hey. Anyways, go read Heat 2 and watch Miami Vice again. I certainly yes. will. Why not? Okay, Matt, where can the people find you? I'm at EmperorOTN1 at Twitter.com, which I, I said like five minutes ago. Yeah, yeah, but then I had to do the thing again. Uh, so <laughs> you can find me at the Diego Crespo. Check out the Waffle Press on Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and Patreon. 
where you can get early access to the Gods of Egypt retrospective, I guess. <laughs> for <laughs> all the people clamoring for it. <laughs> if you're for interested all the in Miami Vice. people who just, like, are dying. Also, uh, I, I, I'm going to tell you right now, Diego, um, when you texted me and said we should do Gods of Egypt, and I was like, you know what? That actually does sound like a good idea. Let's do Gods of Egypt. And then it hit me later uh, that I thought you were talking about Exodus, Gods and Kings. Oh! Which is the only reason why I said yes. Wow. Too late, we're doing Gods of Egypt. All right. <laughs> Exodus is next season. I guess, yeah. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. Love me some Ridley Scott, but I don't know. We have to make sure, like, we know for a fact that Ridley Scott's going to hang in there while we're doing the retrospective. Because we're can... in mourning for Ridley Scott, and then we decide to talk about arguably the worst movie he's made <laughs> not ridley scott i don't think he can die that would be interesting yeah he's, he's lived like to be like 120 guy. still fucking smoking yeah. cigars drinking whiskey just knocking him back on set i don't know if he does it, that it turns out the cure to uh the the answer to immortality was you had to be the director of blade runner <laughs> So Denis Villeneuve hang in there for a while too. No, he directed Blade Runner twenty four whatever. Oh, okay. He, he doesn't get any of that power. He doesn't get any of that. In fact, it shortened his life. Sorry, oh. Danny. <laughs> for got for nearly news. doing sacrilege, but somehow pulling off a miracle film. Yeah. Although people don't like that movie now. Some people don't like that movie. I think they're people, out of their mind. People don't like Denny though. Yeah, people have weird hangups about him. I don't. I don't know. Um. I mean, his movies are like. Isn't dreaming wonderful? And aren't movies like dreams? And aren't I wonderful? <laughs> like, God bless him with that. I like, I like canceled, stuff a lot. Have they canceled Dune 2 yet? No. I feel like any day now we're going to get the announcement. I'm that, like, super just, scared. It's supposed to start just, shooting this fall. It, if, if, I'll be sad. Like, that'll be a bummer, but I will also, like, it'll be really funny. It, oh, in the in the vast scope of history? Absolutely. But right yeah. now, it'd be sad, because I like Oh, wait film. a minute. Christopher Walken is playing the Emperor? Oh, yeah. How'd you miss that? I missed... How did I miss this? Never mind. This has to happen. Well, now it's definitely going to get canceled. God damn it. If it gets canceled before this podcast comes out, it's going to be even funnier. Moadib, shame on you. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's going to oh. be incredible. Um, oh, no. All right, Miami Vice. Thanks for Miami listening. Miami Vice. Thanks for watching. Like and subscribe. If you didn't like this, like and subscribe anyways because you might find something you do like. And last note is after asking my friend uh, why, why Miami looks like that, they replied, because the gays. Goodbye, is your friend everyone. homophobic? No, no. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. But may have been professionally unprofessional. I think they thought we were coming at it from a positive angle. <laughs> so I think they misinterpreted uh, what I was asking, which is why does Miami look like the pit of hell although that that would be incredible if they're like no 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 i am homophobic actually (laughs) okay that's how we're finding out okay all right i I would not expect that to be clear yeah okay Uh, goodbye everyone shout out to that person (laughs) i feel like i should have named them now thank you for the text (laughs) (laughs) goodbye jonathan demi (laughs) goodbye judy foster (laughs) goodbye
That's how we're ending every episode now. Fuck it. <laughs> Have a good one. Nobody cry when the shark die. King Kong, everybody cry. <laughs>